Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 440. This is August 14th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday evenings, wherever you may be. Man, we got a lot to get into, guys. We got a lot to get into. And I know a lot of people are sick and tired of hearing about the Wyndham Rotunda rumors, man. The Wyndham Rotunda rumors are heating up right now, man. They're flowing. Day after day, seemingly more is coming out about Bray Wyatt with a potential return to the WWE almost imminent. Now, I've been saying this for weeks. Bray Wyatt's going to be on his way back to the WWE no matter what. I don't think he's going to AEW. I don't think he's going anywhere else. But Bray Wyatt, man, and the story that came out about Bray Wyatt, we're going to talk about it. It's the top story tonight on Off The Script. Derogatory statements and slanderous statements from WWE management. 
that basically drove him out of the company. This is not new information. This is not something that you guys are hearing for the first time. In fact, you know, nobody gives me my fucking credit. We talked about all of this. The day Bray Wyatt got fired. Everything. We went over everything. But people want to put it behind a paywall and give you the news for $4.99 a month. Meanwhile, I gave you the news for free, exactly how it was supposed to be and what was 12 months ago. Which is the better deal? Thought so. We're going to go over that. We also got a story on Gunther. I told you, man. I listen, man. I, I love being right. I love being right. But I'm glad in this case, I am wrong. Vince McMahon wanted to bury Gunther after 4th of July. Bury Gunther with the Intercontinental title. Why? I'll tell you why. And it's not that difficult to figure out. So we got a lot to talk about, folks. And I thank you for joining me on your Sunday night. We got people still filtering in. Come on into the beer garden, man. This is the place to be. Weekly. Nobody, nobody, nobody looks like us, man. Nobody in the IWC. We are VIP only tonight. We are members only tonight. You guys want to get in on the fun? You can certainly do that. Hit the join button. Wherever you may be watching, man, hit that join button. Become an OTS channel member, OTS VIP. It is 50% off right now. First month is 50% off. Plus, you get those badges next to your name. Every month, you're a VIP. And you get those emotes with more badges and more emotes to come in the weeks ahead. It's going to be great. So if you guys want to chat, you know what to do. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys go and follow me all over social media. We just eclipsed 42,000. I believe we're at 43. I got to check. Let me see. Where am I on Twitter? 43,000 followers on Twitter. Love it. So make sure you guys follow me. Another big week coming up. Week three in the Paul Levesque era. Should be fun. Hit that subscribe button down below. We are 93 subscribers away from 136,000 subscribers. So make sure you guys go and hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for notifications. Hit that thumbs up. I want to see that thumbs up, man. Right now we have 525 likes. We need 1,000 Minimum. I can't let you guys walk out of here without a thousand minutes. So hit that thumbs up. Helps out the channel tremendously when you do that. And it costs absolutely nothing. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. We got plenty of content. A couple of extras. We talked about SmackDown on Friday with Hit Row. Dynamite on Wednesday. We talked about... CM Punk's return, NXT Tuesday, garbage. Monday Night Raw, the start of the Women's Tag Team Title Tournament, and the return of Dexter Loomis 
It's all on the homepage, man. If you missed any of that stuff, go and check it out. Tonight's show is sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. You guys are going to use that code SCRIPT20 at checkout. The leaders in below the belt grooming. I don't need you guys. I don't need you guys to go finish the summer with the world champions down there looking uh, looking a little rough, man. You got to get them ready for Clash at the Castle, okay? You got to get them ready for the main event. Manscaped is going to help you out with that. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. 20% off and free shipping when you sign up and you go order anything off Manscaped. want to thank them for sponsoring the show right here on OTS. Let's get into the news, guys. We got a lot to get into. We're going to start at the top here. Vince McMahon. Every story that comes out about Vince McMahon, it brings a fucking smile to my face. It brings a smile to my face, man. WWE has uncovered another two additional payments made by Vincent Kennedy McMahon, totaling $5 million. I love it. Absolutely love it. WWE issued a filing with the SEC this week that mentions that the company has learned about two additional payments made by Vince McMahon in 2017 and 2019 that should have been recorded in company financial statements. The SEC filing notes that all unrecorded expenses were or will be paid by Vince McMahon personally. Really? Really? He thought he could get away with it, and then he wants to pay for all of it out of his pocket. Sounds like Vince McMahon to me. On June 17th, the filing states, on June 17th, 2022, World Wrestling Entertainment and its board of directors announced a special committee of independent members of the board. They were going to conduct an investigation into alleged misconduct by the company's former chairman and chief executive officer, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, who resigned from all positions held with the company on July 22nd, but remains a stockholder with a controlling interest and another executive who is also no longer with the company. On July 25th, 2022, the company announced that it made a preliminary determination that certain payments that Vince McMahon agreed to make during the period from 2006 through 2022, which includes amounts paid and payable in the future, totaling $14.6 million, were not appropriately recorded as expenses in the company's consolidated financial statements. Since that time, the company has determined that two additional payments totaling $5 million unrelated to the allegations that led to the special committee investigation that Mr. McMahon made in 2007 and 2009 should have been recorded in the company's consolidated financial statements. Together, these unrecorded expenses total $19.6 million And the company has evaluated that the unrecorded expenses and has determined that such amounts should be recorded as expenses in each of the periods in which they became probable and estimated. All payments underlying the unrecorded expenses were or will be paid by Mr. McMahon personally. Special committee investigation remains ongoing. So... I believe when this was uncovered, I, I could be wrong, but I did I did see people tweeting about it the day that this was announced. Vince had uh, 
I, I guess, made $25 million with the stock because it was up that particular day. WWE shareholders believe that Vince McMahon is still ready to sell the company. And that's why the stock is fluctuating in the positive, in the green. People on the shareholder side believe that Vince McMahon is going to sell the company to whomever is the highest better. WWE's not going to be sold. Vince McMahon's not selling the company. Not right now, anyway. He's not selling the company. But every time I hear a story like this, the more and more and more you hear about these stories, the bigger it brings a smile to my face because he obviously has committed wrong and he's done wrong and he played God pretty much thinking he could get away with anything because he's Vince McMahon and he's got all this money and he's leading the biggest wrestling entertainment fucking conglomerate in the world. Good. Good. Everybody eventually sees their day and this is his day. Finished. Good. Now, listen, I, I, I can't stand Vince McMahon in the wrestling realm. I can't. You know, everybody's like, oh, you got to bow down to Vince McMahon. I don't give a fuck about Vince McMahon. I really don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, he did everything for us, and he did this, and he did that. He gave us this. He gave us that. The reason why uh, we're here is because of Vince McMahon. Shove it up your pee hole. Shove it up your ass, man. I, I don't care. I don't care. If I didn't have Vince McMahon, I'd be doing something else. I'd be in the music genre or in the music industry. I'd be in the food industry. I love to cook. I, I love... Listen, man, I would love to be, you know, you think the bar here, you think the fucking beer garden and, and the OTS venue is something that, you know, uh, I fictionally put myself in. Everything that you see here, the aesthetics of the show is, is an extension of me. What a lot of you guys don't understand is I'd love to own a bar. I, I would love to own a cocktail slash fucking dive bar. That's my, that, that's been a goal since I first moved to New Jersey. In 2003, met my best friend Sean working at fucking... Torno selling goddamn fucking watches. We always talked about it. We always talked about opening up a, a, a pub or a, a dive bar, a cocktail bar, beer bar, craft beer. We, we loved craft beer. Everything that you see here is an extension of me. So if Vince McMahon didn't exist and WWE didn't exist, I'd find something else to do to entertain you guys. And I'd be fucking great at it. But Vince McMahon is gone. The reality of the situation is Vince McMahon's gone. I hate the fucking excuse that people are using. Oh, you got to give him praise and you got to give him thanks. Fuck him. Get him out. And I hope to never see him return. He could watch from the sidelines now, sitting in his fucking Stanford, Connecticut penthouse or Greenwich, wherever the fuck he lives. His Greenwich fucking penthouse, where I'll be on Saturday because I got a wedding to go to. Maybe I'll run into him. Hey, Vince, good riddance, bro. I'm glad he's home. I hope he's watching from the sidelines. And he's seeing shit now the way it should be done. Tired of this bullshit, man. This fucking now you're going to praise Vince McMahon. Fuck Vince McMahon. Every, and this is not the last, every story that comes out brings a bigger smile to my face. Good. I hope he faces jail time. I hope he fucking gets the fucking book thrown at him. Good. Good. His son-in-law is now running creative, and in three weeks, the excitement around the product is greater than I've seen it in 30 years. Well, not really 30 years. I'd say at least the last decade. 30 years is a bit tragic, but that's the excitement. You want to go back 30 years, people are fucking as excited now as they were 30 years ago. It's great. I'm fucking thrilled that Vince is gone.
So hopefully we see another five. Another five. Another ten. Good. Good. All of this actually is not surprising. And moving into the next story, everybody, I remember when I talked about this. Oh, he's not fired yet, man. Why are you already saying that he's fired? In the same week that they uncovered five million more, John Laurinaitis. People power. Hey, kid, it's not you. It's uh, it's budget cuts. We're going to wish you well in your future endeavors. The door, the door is always open. So make sure you give us a call in a year and see where we're at. We got the budget. We'll, uh, we'll open it up for you. John Laurinaitis is fired by WWE. People power is finished. PW Insider reported this week that his termination is now official, and it happened last week or within the last week or so, and was kept quiet to just a small number of people. Laurinaitis had been with the company since March of 2021 after a purchase of WCW. A couple of months later, he was promoted to the director of talent relations, and in 2009, he became the executive vice president of talent relations. He also appeared off and on camera in authority roles, and he was featured regularly on Total Bellas, which was a popular series on the E! Network, with his wife, whom he cheated on, mind you, Kathy, while she was going through fucking surgery for a brain tumor, Kathy Laurinaitis, right? Yeah. How do you feel about that one? Scum. Scumbags. That's what they are. Daughters-in-law, Nikki and Brie Bella, obviously. John Laurinaitis' days with WWE are finished. Finished. In the report, if you guys are living under a fucking rock somewhere, the report states internally the belief is that he will be obviously thrown under the bus. He was. Now he's fired. He's being investigated. He was linked to Vince McMahon in this entire situation. His company email and company cell phone have been disconnected. This is what WWE employees have to go through when they fuck up big time. Goodbye. Goodbye, Laurinaitis. So, Laurinaitis is finished. And as far as any future changes with anybody else, Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard, we're still waiting on the fucking parade for Bruce Pritchard. Get him out. Kevin Dunn, it may take a little bit longer for Kevin Dunn to get out. You know, I have a feeling that Vince McMahon, man, even when he's gone, even when Vince McMahon has been gone, I'm pretty sure he, like, begged for Kevin Dunn to remain there. Oh, Kevin Dunn's a good guy. Kevin Dunn's a good guy. He didn't do anything wrong to anybody. Can you just keep him on? I made made a a, a fucking vow and a promise to his father that he'd have a job for life until he fucking croaks in WWE. So Kevin Dunn ain't going anywhere. We would see Bruce Prichard fired before Kevin Dunn. Wade Keller recently reported that there are people in the company that expect Kevin Dunn to eventually leave the company on his own accord. And it may happen as soon as the end of this year. I don't really give a shit. If Kevin Dunn is there, whatever. Kevin Dunn's not going to have any influence anymore because Vince McMahon is not there anymore. He was one of Vince McMahon's trusted soldiers. Bruce Pritchard there has no power at all. He, he now has to answer to Triple H, Paul Levesque. And I love the fact that Bruce Pritchard is there and he's seeing everything that should have been done while Vince McMahon was there, and he's got to sit there and swallow his fucking tongue. I love it. Vince always ran the show the way he wanted, 
When Bruce wasn't there, he did everything, everything that Vince McMahon wanted, even in his absence, and would have continued to book the show if Vince McMahon wasn't even there. He booked the show exactly how Vince would have done it. That's not what we need. That's not going to be growth for WWE. Bruce has been there since 2018. Bruce has been with Vince for almost 30 years. He came back to the company after working Impact and MLW. He came back to the WWE in 2018. And every single fucking thing that you thought was wrong with the product, that man was as guilty as anybody there. He was on the same level of Vince McMahon as far as guilt is concerned. I had people telling me, oh, why blame Bruce Pritchard? Where the fuck are you? Where the fuck have you been? Why do I blame Bruce Pritchard? Are you fucking serious? Bruce is as guilty as Vince McMahon is. Trusted soldier number two. It's him and Kevin Dunn. Back to back. I don't know who's worse. I'd probably take fucking Bruce being the worst one. Everything that was wrong with that fucking show. Bruce was guilty as charged. He did nothing to speak up and change anything. As long as he was comfortable, as long as his position was there, and as long as he was getting paid, he didn't give a shit what happened. He don't give a fuck about any of the talent. He didn't give a shit what they put on television. He didn't give a shit if a storyline was fucking making sense or was just dropped or if somebody was buried or if a talent had any fucking thing to say and had a problem. He was head of talent relations. Nobody gave a fuck in that company. Nobody Now things are different. Now things are different. And things are going to be done the right way. And I love, I love that Bruce is there. I love the fact that Bruce is watching everything that Vince McMahon did slowly, slowly become undone. All the people that Bruce probably had a hand in firing. Ah, Bruce, what do you think about Top Dollar? What do you think about Dexter Loomis? Bruce is probably sitting at the same fucking table while these names were being brought up. Bruce, do you want to fire them? Should we keep them or should we let them go? Bruce is like, whatever you want, Vince. Whatever you want, Vince. I don't don't care either way. Whatever makes you happy, boss. As he's under the table tickling his left testicle. It's exactly what Bruce Pritchard was. A glorified fucking yes man. He didn't give a shit either way. So with him... I can't wait for him to be fired. He's lucky he's still even there. He's got no power. He's seemingly still running NXT, which we will get into tonight. Shawn Michaels wants you to believe he's running NXT. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, HBK, bro. You should go hit the fucking comedy circuit, man. You're a fucking comedian. Really? Shawn Michaels is running NXT? No. No, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Fuck out of here. Shawn Michaels running NXT. <laughs> oh, my God, man. That's as, that's, as, that's as funny as Bray Wyatt joining Impact. <laughs> oh, man. A bunch of fucking comedians in this industry, man. Really? You want a good laugh? Just fucking join the wrestling community. Then you got these geese, wrestle geeks and fight for you. Shawn Michaels is running NXT because they won't say anything out of line. Fuck out of here, Shawn Michaels running NXT. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. It's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious, man. So, John Laurinaitis is fired. Hopefully, Bruce is next. 
Let's banish Bruce and make him Conrad Thompson's problem. But everybody seems to think that Vince McMahon is still running the show. And like I said, I've been saying this for the last three weeks. If you, if you believe that, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with you. You think that? It's fine. I wear my conspiracy hat every now and then. Really? It's fine. Sometimes it's fun to wear that conspiracy hat. I mean, sometimes it fits good, right? But people still think, still think, seem to think that Vince McMahon is running things in WWE. Now, this is not the case at all. PW Insider talked about this. Mike Johnson and PW Insider reports that McMahon is not involved in any official capacity beyond owning the majority of the company stock. McMahon legally cannot hire or fire anybody. PW Insider added that McMahon has not been to the WWE headquarters in Stanford since his resignation after the Wall Street Journal stories about his NDAs to cover up sexual affairs and sexual misconduct with ex-employees and ex-talent. McMahon was recently removed from all the internal list of performers, and his name was removed from the backstage area during SummerSlam weekend. There is no longer a room designated as Vince's office backstage. Instead, they have an office for the CEO and head of talent relations, Paul Levesque. As for the private gym at the company headquarters, no one has heard of him going there. Prior to his exit, McMahon was known to work out during the late night hours, roughly around 3 a.m., for anyone thinking that McMahon is still running things, keep in mind that if that was the case, criminal charges could be brought forward, and no one in the company wants that, especially as they try to move away from the negative headlines. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. If Vince is still with the company in any capacity, if there are criminal charges and he is arrested and thrown in jail, you know, it's going to be a black eye on the company. So they don't want him a part of that at all. Yeah, he's still a part of it. He's still owning... 80%, 80-plus percent of the stock. Still has all the controlling shares of the company on Wall Street, but he's not going to be the chief executive officer. He's not going to be the fucking chairman of the board. He's not going to be running the shows Monday and Friday. His name is not going to be on anything that they do because if it is, it's going to be a huge black eye, and nobody wants the negative headlines right now. When WWE right now, to me, at least in the last five years, they're more popular in this three-week span than they've been in the last... Five years. And nobody wants to derail that. You need to start seeing company growth. You're seeing it on Wall Street. And now you need to start seeing it on television. And that's where we are right now. People are excited. People are optimistic about the company and what we're seeing on television. You don't want to ruin that and stifle that in any way. So Vince is gone. And that's what it's all about, really. But if you came to me and said, yeah, I think Vince is still running shit. I'm not going to argue with you. You have every right to say that because there are a large group of people out there that still actually believe that is the case. But I'm here to tell you that it's not. Vince would not bring Karrion Cross back. Vince would not bring Scarlett back. Vince would not rehire Hit Row. Vince would not bring back Dexter Loomis. Vince would not abolish the term, you know, hospital. Well, he did actually. He would not bring hospital back or wrestler or wrestling, pro wrestling these are words that were used on WWE social media accounts. These were used on television. This is not Vince McMahon. Nothing about any of this is Vince McMahon. And more surprises still to come. Highlighting the Intercontinental title, highlighting the United States title, killing off basically Ezekiel, the last names of people being chopped off. 
That's going away. These are all things that Vince McMahon did. He would not be going back on all these ridiculous things if he was still in charge. So you guys have nothing to worry about. It is a new era. It is time to just take it easy, be comfortable about everything, be optimistic about everything. Not every week is going to be a home run, but there is no single person out there that could honestly look me in the face and tell me that these shows haven't been better. You cannot sit there and tell me that these shows have not been better than what Vince McMahon was doing. They were, and they have been. What was so great about Vince McMahon shows compared to this? If you think this sucks, what the fuck did you think about what Vince was doing? It doesn't make sense. He's not running the shit. He's not running WWE. And yes, there is a, there is a small smidgen of my fucking soul that thinks if Vince does get cleared, he'll probably try and weasel himself back into position. Creative. He'd probably be a fucking counselor of sorts and try and take over things and put his stamp of approval on things. Reclaim chairman of the board. I don't think he'll be able to really weasel himself back into creative. I'm not really worried about that, but there's always a part of me that thinks, is it really possible? Can he do that? Where Triple H comes in, Stephanie comes in, and they wipe the slate clean, and they bring in all their own people. Vince come in and just fucking undo everything that was done. I don't know if that's even possible. That would be a huge, that would be another black eye completely on the company. And you don't want that. You want to get these fans back. You want to get in the good graces of the fans, which WWE is doing right now, slowly but surely. A lot of people did not watch this shit for years because of Vince McMahon being there. So you want to drive these people away from the product again? You just got them back. Vince being gone is best for business. Absolutely. John Cena. When you mention John Cena to me, John Cena is always best for business. I think John Cena's great. John Cena, he was supposed to be at SummerSlam, rumored to be in a match against Austin Theory. That did not happen. I would assume that it was the plan, and then Vince McMahon and the Wall Street Journal bombshell fell in everybody's lap, and then John Cena said, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit this one out, man. I think you can do me in theory at WrestleMania. John Cena, apparently, there's a rumor going around that John Cena may be at Clash of the Castle. It's this huge show, almost 70,000 people in Cardiff. WWE wants everybody on board for this thing. There's a status update on John Cena as we head into Clash at the Castle only three weeks away. This is the biggest WWE show in the United Kingdom since Wembley Stadium and the 1992 SummerSlam. One big name that won't appear on this show is John Cena. John Cena actually addressed this during a Q&A session at the Wales Comic Con. He says, and I quote, I've been coming to Cardiff to fight for 15 plus years and every time, it's exciting and amazing. I'm not going to be at Clash, Cena said. There you go. John Cena is not booked, and there is no creative plans for John Cena at Clash of the Castle. The event is scheduled for September 3rd at Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. Obviously, Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre is right now the scheduled main event for the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. Cena hasn't wrestled since losing to Reigns at SummerSlam last year, and he's been adamant that he's not fully retired from wrestling, but is remaining focused on his acting career right now. He did return to Raw last month and indicated that 
He would not be wrestling anytime soon and did not know when he would return to the ring. John Cena will be back. If John Cena's calendar is open, you're more than likely going to get him back before you get Dwayne back. Even though both are in Hollywood, Rock is obviously the most busiest man in Hollywood. John Cena obviously is adding to his resume. You hear him all over these fucking commercials on TV. He is everywhere, really. And I believe he's filming his uh, syndicated show again, Peacemaker, in Canada. So he's a very busy guy. John Cena is a very busy guy. If he does come back, and I said this countless times, if John Cena does come back, I don't know how he feels about it, but I would love to see John Cena chase number 17. I think John Cena, if he's, if he's going to end up retiring, I think John Cena should absolutely be a 17-time world champion. And there's a story there that you could do it against Randy Orton. You could do it against Edge. I would love to see that. John Cena chasing number 17. That's something that should have been done already. WWE had the capability of doing it with Bray Wyatt, and they didn't do it. So I hope that they do visit that at some point. Randy Orton would be perfect. Edge would be perfect. I honestly think, you know, a lot of people say Randy Orton is his greatest rival. I would say CM Punk and then Edge. Edge was a tremendous opponent for John Cena. Now, obviously, both are a little older, but they're a little bit more wiser. Story to me now would be greater than it would be then. I'd love to see it. I really would. I hope he I hope he retires with that in the back of his mind. I don't I don't even know if John Cena would John Cena would want to win a 17th championship. John Cena is so much about the future of the company. He always, especially in his later years, he's always had the best interest of the future of the company at heart. Always making one-off comments. WWE can't continue to bring back the old guard and these old Hall of Famers. For every old Hall of Famer you bring back to take a spot away from a young kid, you're not really building the future. It's a missed opportunity for one of the future pieces of the company to be highlighted. He's always made one-off comments about that, and that's why I honestly respect him the way that I do now. He sees things the way the fans see it. He wants to be there for the simple, for the simple reason of putting over young talent, and that's what he wants to do. It may be theory next, but after all the time that they asked John Cena to come back, oh, we got to ask you to put over Roman. we got to ask you to put over Theory. For all these young kids that John Cena is being asked to mold into the future, I do hope that the company does give him one last run as champion. I do. Whether he wins it and then retires, I don't know what his full-time schedule is going to be. That's the one thing that's going to be holding this back. If he wins a world championship, how long is he going to be able to maintain that with his schedule in Hollywood? He'd have to put off Hollywood to be a WWE champion, and I don't know if that's going to be a realistic possibility nowadays. Even if he chases number 17 and fails, I just want to see the story unfold. One last ride into 17. Can he do it? That's the story that should be told going into his final WrestleMania. I hope we see it. Shawn Michaels. He's reached out to Johnny Gargano about a potential WWE return. Shawn Michaels has been asked to reach out to Johnny Gargano about returning to World Wrestling Entertainment. Gargano has been a free agent since his WWE contract expired in December, not signing with anybody and not wrestling since he walked out of NXT. Fightful Select, they provided an update on Gargano and WWE 
noting that at the very least, Shawn Michaels was tasked with reaching out to Johnny Gargano shortly after the change in management. No details about how the conversation have went. Nobody knows what is going on. But Shawn Michaels was in contact with Johnny Gargano. Many have speculated that Gargano was set to see a return to WWE in Cleveland. That did not happen. We did not see Johnny Gargano at the end of Monday Night Raw. We didn't see him with Champa. We didn't see him get involved in the United States Championship match. We didn't see it. Now, AEW Dynamite, they'll be in Cleveland at the end of the month. I believe the last show before All Out is in Cleveland. Now, a lot of people say that Johnny Gargano could possibly show up to that show. I've had some people reach out to me that live in the greater Cleveland area that have seen Johnny Gargano out in the wild, out at dinner, and have asked him, hey, can I get an autograph? Hey, can I snap a picture? And Johnny Gargano says, yeah, there's a couple shows coming back up in Cleveland here with a couple of major promotions. You'll definitely be seeing me at one of them. Now, I don't know if he was joking around with these people, but this is what I've seen in my IG DMs and people reaching out to me privately via email. I don't know who to believe. I don't know who to believe. But I do believe Johnny Gargano will be back with a major promotion. I do think he will be back with WWE because I do think that he never wanted to go anywhere. Johnny Gargano never wanted to go anywhere. If Johnny Gargano was still there working underneath Shawn Michaels and Triple H in NXT, he would have stayed down there for the duration of his career. He would have never went to the main roster if Vince McMahon was in charge. I don't even think Vince or Bruce would have wanted somebody like Johnny Gargano. The only reason why they would have wanted somebody like Johnny Gargano was to fucking bury him to make a point to Triple H. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But Johnny Gargano never wanted to leave NXT. That was his home. And now with Triple H running the show, and obviously Champa in good hands, and I'm sure Johnny sees this. Who's to say that Johnny isn't going to end up on Monday night? We could see Johnny end up on Friday night. We could see Champa run one brand and Johnny run the other. I'd love to see it. Imagine. Imagine that. Imagine one of these Survivor Series, we get Champa. If that is Survivor Series has the same format, I wish Triple H would abolish it, really. Just thinking out loud here, imagine if Tommaso Champa is a United States champion. Imagine if Johnny Gargano is an intercontinental champion. Imagine if Survivor Series is still the same format next year. It may actually happen this year. We don't know. We could see it this year if Johnny wants to make a return. 
Johnny versus Champa at the Survivor Series IC title versus US title. And the history that is there. That would be something really fucking special. And you know that Triple H would document everything that those two guys have went through. But that's not the best use for Johnny Gargano. I mentioned this, and I'm sticking to my guns. That's just me thinking out loud. Because that feud, to me, was one of the greatest feuds in WWE history. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa was perfection. It was basically Shawn Michaels and Triple H living vicariously through Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. You're never going to see a stretch of matches between two guys that are as good as that. And then you got Moro on commentary selling the entire thing. God, do I miss NXT Black and Gold. God, do I miss Black and Gold, man. I do think Johnny's going to end up on Monday Night Raw. I I do think that we need to start rectifying the tag team division. I do. And WWE is already in the process. Triple H is already in in the process of fixing the women's division. Triple H is fixing the women's division. We've seen it on Raw. He's got a lot of work to do on SmackDown. That division isn't really where it needs to be. But the tag team division seems like it's maybe one, two, three minor moves from really being top tier. And how I would do this is you put Johnny on Monday Night Raw, you align him with Champa. Obviously, you got to take Champa away from the Miz. Champa and Gargano, you make them a babyface team, you get DIY back together. For now, I'm not saying it has to be, oh my God, they're going to end their career as DIY. No. You get them back as DIY on Monday Night Raw, and you make them baby faces. Then on the same token, you make Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn into a tag team. You got them as a babyface tag team. Yeah, them challenge the Usos at Clash of the Castle, which I do think is the direction that they're going in. If it doesn't happen at Clash, it's definitely going to happen sometime after Clash. You got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. You got DIY. You got the Usos. Those are the three tag teams that you're going to have at the very top of this division, anchoring this division. Then you're going to have SmackDown. You got the Brutes. You got a mixture of Sheamus, Pete Dunne. That's another story in itself. Butch, Ridge Holland. You give them the free bird rule. You got them doing what they got to do. You got the New Day. You got the Viking Raiders. You got Los Lotharios. You tweak them a little bit and give them a little bit more of an edge. Don't know what they got going on with the Maximum Male Models. It is what it is. They're there. I guess they're a team. Then you got Alpha Academy. You got Street Profits. You got a solid fucking group. You got a solid group of teams. Minor moves. I haven't even done anything all that fucking creative here. Minor, minor moves. The biggest move you would do is when the draft happens, which rumored... It's happening after Clash of the Castle. I hope so. That would be a huge fucking change to the overall presentation of the product and really give Triple H a, a fresh start legitimately because he's inherited everything that Vince McMahon has done. Draft. You make one title. Unify the tag team titles. Merge the divisions. You have the titles go from SmackDown to Raw, from Raw to SmackDown. And you have them be a floating tag team championship, just like the women. I never understood this. Nobody really asks this question. Nobody really goes out there and asks why. The women's tag team titles, they they float from show to show. Well, why aren't the men's tag team titles the same way? So why are we doing one and then not for the other? And this is minor. I haven't done anything at all to really drastically change much of anything in the tag team division. That's where Johnny's value is going to be.
that's his value. You bring him back, and that's what you do. And most of these teams, Sheamus, Pete Dunne, Rich Holland, any one of those guys could be a singles guy. You could have them work singles. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, you could do singles with them. Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, you could work singles with them. Chad Gable, you could do singles with Chad Gable. So not only are you developing a tag team division with solid fucking teams that make sense, but half of the fucking teams could be used in a solo capacity as well and be used as solo performers. So you're not really pigeonholing them into a tag team and only being stuck in a tag team. This is what needs to be done. This is what needs to be done. I have spoken. I've been asking for this since 2016. I don't know why we haven't even gotten there yet. Not even close. Hopefully Triple H knows what the fuck he's doing, but Johnny Gargano will be back in WWE. When and where, I don't know, but he's going to be back in the WWE. That is my prediction. Vince McMahon and Bray Wyatt. This is the big story this week. Vince McMahon and Bray Wyatt. I talked about this extensively. I continue to talk about it every time there's a news piece that's out there on the internet. Nothing I'm about to read to you is surprising at all. If you are an OG of the channel, all you need to do is go back and check out Bray Wyatt fired the initial day of, right after it happened, went live in front of 5,000 plus, right here on OTS. Nothing I'm about to tell you is new information. The dirt sheets... And the big wigs in the community, they want you to think that this is all new information. This is nothing I'm about to read to you is new information. Nothing. Every single one of you already know what I'm about to tell you. Vince McMahon apparently shouted derogatory things about Bray Wyatt's physique. McMahon's inner circle started rumors about Bray having a bad attitude. We see Triple H bringing back a ton of talent. The biggest name on that list is Bray Wyatt. Is Triple H, is Paul Levesque going to go out and get Bray Wyatt? Is he going to bring Bray Wyatt? Is he going to bring back the Fiend to WWE? I want to make this very well known right now. I don't want to see Bray Wyatt as the Fiend back in WWE. If we get Bray Wyatt, it's going to be a different version of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is not going to go back and give you exactly what he was giving us with The Fiend when Vince McMahon was there. If anything, he's going to tie up loose ends, finish the story, and evolve into something completely new. Why would he go back and do something that has already been killed? There's nothing more that we care about when it comes to The Fiend. I honestly think Wyndham would be doing a mistake. It would be an error if Wyndham brought back The Fiend. The Fiend was dwindled down into nothing. The gimmick was killed and embarrassed. It was given to Alexa Bliss, because that's what they thought of Bray Wyatt. Fuck this guy. He doesn't want to play by our rules. He doesn't want to go by our creative, which is always best for business, right? Says Bruce and Vince. Get him out. Why Bruce is still there, I don't know why. Why he's still there, I don't know why. They gave it to Alexa Bliss. Oh, you don't want to play by our rules? We're going to give it to Alexa. And then we're going to fucking mock it, bury it, and embarrass it. That's exactly what they did. But Bray Wyatt, 
I think he would be back in the WWE as an evolved character, a new character, a new vision for what he's going to be able to bring to the WWE instead of going back and giving us something that the fans, you know, honestly, the way that WWE handled Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, I don't know why anybody would be excited about bringing The Fiend back. After what we saw, I know I'm not excited. I don't know about you guys. If anything, I'd love him to be, to me anyway, I love the era of world Bray Wyatt. I love Swamp Wyatt family Bray Wyatt. That was mine. That was my favorite. And I love that. I loved everything about the gimmick. It was different, the way he spoke. A lot of people say, oh, Bray sucks as a pro wrestler. You know, I hate when people tell me that Bray sucks as a pro wrestler. The fuck are you watching? Really, what, what did you watch when you watched Bray Wyatt? You watched somebody that was demoralized by Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard. You watched somebody that was creative and had a vision. Had all that taken away from him. Killed. Told that his vision wasn't it. That you got to listen to our vision. And we're going to build you into what we think you should be. Everything that The Fiend did was basically Vince McMahon. The lack of wrestling that you got from The Fiend, Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard. Coming up through the ring and the fire and the fucking facial expressions and the fucking immune character that he played, impervious to pain. This is all Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. This is all WWE creative. So the lack of wrestling ability from The Fiend had nothing to do with Bray Wyatt's inability to wrestle. Go back and watch his 2014 match against Brian Danielson at the Royal Rumble. And then I want you to come and tell me, this is your fucking homework. I want you to go watch that match against Daniel Bryan at the 2014 Royal Rumble. And then tell me that Bray Wyatt can't fucking wrestle. Bray Wyatt can certainly wrestle. He can't wrestle with Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard fucking handcuffs on him which was ultimately taken away when they sinked their teeth into the theme character. It's been the other narrative. Bray can't wrestle. Fuck off. Bray can't wrestle. Why don't you go do your fucking homework and then tell me the proper statement. Bray can wrestle. You just don't see it. And they didn't want you to see it because they wanted what was best for him. Right? No, that's not the case. They wanted what was best for them and their pockets and their fucking ego. Oh, you can't come in here and do better creative than me. You're going to make us look bad. That's what it all boils down to. They were outclassed and out-fucking-staged by Wyndham. You think they want that? Oh, yeah, go and fix yourself. You look like a fat slob. He's overweight. He's got a bad attitude. The fuck are you talking about? Bad attitude. Why does he have a bad attitude? He's got a bad attitude because you're telling him what to fucking do with his fucking creation. And you're not listening to anything that the man has to say. Fightful. Fightful on their 499 paywall, giving you information that we already knew a year ago. Reported details after internally gauging interest from WWE higher-ups, staff, and talent. One star stated he could tell by last year that Vince McMahon was simply done with Bray Wyatt as he didn't like him personally 
and would shout derogatory things at Wyatt about his physique. So he didn't like Bray Wyatt personally. Why didn't he like Bray Wyatt personally? What was so bad about Bray Wyatt personally that he took issue with Wyndham? Maybe it's something his family did. Maybe Wyndham's family did something or said something to Vince McMahon and the WWE. I don't know. I don't know. Was he punished for something along those lines? Possibly. Won't be the first time WWE meddled in pettiness. But he didn't like Bray Wyatt. He didn't like Bray Wyatt. I don't know why. I don't know why. Was he destructive? Was he attitude-ridden? Was he somebody that did what he wanted to do without listening to management at all? I don't see him coming off as that type of person. I don't. Now, if you bring him to a point where you are going to do what you do to him and push him to that limit, yes, I could see anybody being that type of person. Bad attitude and destructive and nasty, defensive. I could see anybody being that way. But Vince McMahon is never wrong. So he didn't like Bray Wyatt. They were done with him. You could have seen that they were done with him the way that they booked the entire fucking fiend character. You could tell that they were done with him basically around the time he did that fucking god-awful swamp match with Braun Strowman. He had no fucking clue as to how to progress. A Braun Strowman-Bray Wyatt feud lasted four fucking months. Yes, they were in the middle of a pandemic, but four months where he goes and does everything he needs to do and then transforms himself into the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. And then he goes into SummerSlam, loses the fucking championship to Roman Reigns, who never wrestled the entire fucking match that Strowman and Wyatt had, made it a triple threat match, and they casted him out completely. I don't even need to do that and say that. They were done in Saudi Arabia when he got buried by Bill Goldberg. That's when they were done. Anything else that followed that, just cherry on top of the fucking bullshit Sunday that they, cre- that they created for Bray Wyatt. They were done in Saudi when he buried Wyatt. From the moment that match happened, done. Done. As soon as that referee's three count was made, Bray was dead. He never recovered. Everything that they did after that, a waste of time. They just added on top of the fucking embarrassment every single time they put him in something. Concluding with this Randy Orton storyline that had no fucking ending in sight. They didn't know what to fucking do. Everything about it was just... You you, you could tell it wasn't even Bray. It wasn't even Wyndham. None of this was his idea. None of it. This was all WWE, Alexa, and Randy Orton, and the fucking magic, and the fireballs, and her being possessed by the fiend. This was ridiculous. Everything about it was ridiculous. And then this culminated at WrestleMania, where he was supposed to beat Randy Orton, but lost. People were confused at the end of that WrestleMania match. Why did Bray Wyatt lose? It was supposed to be him winning with all that we saw. He was supposed to beat Randy Orton. No, that's when he was finished, completely. They took him off television, never to return back. 
One talent stated that McMahon did that because Wyatt pushed back on creative and called things out that were bad, which Vince McMahon didn't like. So Wyatt was labeled as having a bad attitude. Imagine going to work. Imagine you sitting at home, drawing up concepts about a new character, a a, a glorified rebirth of your career after they already fucking killed you once, right? All right, I'll take whatever they did and make it better. We'll do it my way now. WWE had this Bray Wyatt just, it, it was a phenomenon when it came out. The Fiend making that debut at SummerSlam, burying Finn Balor, the entrance and the fucking lantern that got made into a, 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 a fucking head. Somebody deca- it was a, a decapitated head was his old image, I believe. It was his old Bray Wyatt image as the lantern. Everything about it was just mesmerizing. The entrance, the music, the fucking lighting, everything about it. From what we saw then about Bray to where he ended at WrestleMania against Randy Orton with Alexa Bliss sitting on top of that giant toy box, it was night and day. So of course he would have a fucking bad attitude. You took his creation that was all the fucking rave in WWE, made it into an embarrassment, took the fucking gimmick and gave it to Alexa, basically, and then you want him to sit there and say, yeah, Vince, that's a great idea, man. I think that's a great way to go about my fucking character. Of course he had a bad fucking attitude. You fucking killed everything about him. What, you want him to sit there in silence? Yes, Vince. Yes, Vince. Yes, Vince. He had a bad attitude. Vince didn't like him. Vince didn't want anything to do with him. Why? Because he wasn't a fucking yes guy. He showed some sort of defensive mechanism to Vince McMahon, calling out shit that was bad, and he got labeled with a bad attitude. I'm sorry, you're basically killing my career, but you're asking me to be a team fucking player? Now, I don't think that's going to fly with me. I don't think that would fly with anybody. So Vince didn't like him, Because he told Vince what he needed to do, and Vince doesn't like that. I'm sorry. Is Vince right about everything all the time? If you watch the fucking shows in the last 10 years before he retired, thank Christ, I can pinpoint fucking lists, lists, longer than the list of Jericho that WWE had every single fucking week. Every single week, and we did so every week on the podcast. No, but he had a bad attitude. Fuck off, bad attitude. This guy's a human being with human emotions. He was obviously passionate about something, and then you want to call him and label him with a bad attitude because he didn't like what you were doing with his character, and you deviated away from the original concept that he had devised and had a vision for to fucking sell dolls and do this and bring Alexa into the fold. And you got to be a company guy because Vince McMahon wants you to and expects you to. Fuck that. Fuck that. The days of micromanaging are over. This is why Bray Wyatt coming back to the WWE. You'd see a better Bray Wyatt, a bigger Bray Wyatt, a more creative Bray Wyatt. He's never going to be able to operate in a Vince McMahon era. Not with the controlling fucking Vince McMahon circus behind him. No way. 
So he had a bad attitude because he pushed back on creative. Oh, my God. Was he going out there failing drug tests? Was he going out there fucking partying every night, showing up drunk like Jeff Hardy does to work? Is he going out there fucking being reckless? Is he going out there injuring everybody like Nia Jax? This guy wanted nothing but to creatively be free and tell stories on WWE television. But that's not good enough for Vince McMahon. He's got a bad attitude. So, the narrative, that narrative of a bad attitude came from those who worked directly with Vince McMahon. Bruce Pritchard, Kevin Dunn, John Laurinaitis, Ed Kosky, all these fucking geeks, all these glorified fucking yes-men that do nothing but fucking suck Vince's dick. That narrative came from all who worked directly with McMahon. So, if they felt like they had talk to Wyatt, and he came off with a bad attitude, they would go to Vince and tell Vince McMahon, yeah, yeah, Wyndham has a bad attitude. Well, not even that. He doesn't need to have a direct bad attitude with him. He doesn't need to be fucking screaming his head off. These are the type of people, folks, and I, I want you to understand this. This is the type of people. Vince McMahon had these types of people on his team. If there was a civil discussion about creative and he wanted something and was very, very adamant about it in the most respectful way, these people would listen to him and then go back and tell Vince that they didn't like the way he came off. There could be nothing said there as far as cursing or yelling or no uh, aggressive attitude. He could sit there and tell Bruce and Ed Kosky and all these people that he wants this done. This is the way he sees the vision for his character. He would, Bruce would take this, Ed Kosky would take this, Laurinaitis would take this and go back to Vince McMahon. If Bray Wyatt didn't do any of that, still tell Vince that he had a bad fucking attitude. Because they want to look good in front of Vince. And nothing's going to happen to them. Vince is going to take it up with Bray. And what is Bray going to do when Vince goes to him? He's obviously going to cower like everybody else. But that's not what happened. Vince wanted something from Bray that Bray was not willing to give him. That's what happens. And that's what happened here. So no matter what was said, the narrative about him having a bad attitude... He could have been the nicest fucking guy talking to the creative team. This is what I want. This is the vision I got. They go back to Vince. Yeah, Wyndham had a bad fucking attitude. He yelled at me and this and that. Who are they going to believe? They're going to believe Wyndham? Is Vince going to believe Wyndham? Or is Vince going to believe his fucking yes men that do anything to get ahead to be in his good graces? What a fucking bullshit environment. Thank God he's gone. This is why I say Bruce needs to go. There were also several other instances of rumors starting within that circle to ease the heat off of WWE for releasing him. So they released him. WWE released Wyndham. You know they got a lot of heat on themselves from social media, from fans in the uh, arenas chanting Wyndham or Wyatt, we want Wyatt, we want Wyatt. People dressing as the Fiend, Fiend signs being taken away. People dressed as the Fiend being taken off camera and moved somewhere else so that they're not on camera. They wanted nothing to do with this guy. They wanted nothing to do with him and his likeness on their programming. Why? Because they knew they were wrong. And they didn't want more heat being brought down on them. And then when the reports came out, obviously, they had no, no 
justifiable reason as to why they let this guy go. This guy was the biggest moneymaker in the entire fucking company. He was obviously one of the top popular acts. He was probably more popular than Roman Reigns and anybody else in that company. You can look at the merchandise sales for Bray Wyatt on the WWE roster. At the time of his release, he was number one. People were clamoring to get anything and everything with Bray Wyatt's likeness on it. And the Fiend's likeness. He was, they were selling Halloween costumes. He was fucking everywhere for Halloween. I, I don't understand how WWE could release someone like that and find some fucking way to spin the story. That's exactly what they did. The most popular guy in fucking years in Wyndham with the character he created, he was fired, and then WWE wants to go out there and shill excuses. Yeah, he had a bad attitude. Yeah, he was overweight. Yeah, he had mental problems, or he was depressed. He needed to take time off to go ease his mind and, you know, become a little bit more undepressed. You heard it all. You heard it all. The bullshit that came out when he was released was ridiculous. So, obviously, most of these things were debunked. We saw pictures of Wyndham. He looked great. I think he even came out and said, yeah, he was... uh, You know, people said that he was depressed. He wasn't depressed. The only reason why he would have been depressed is because he lost one of his fucking best friends in life in Brody Lee. They turned. This is how sick WWE is. They want to claim he's depressed and has mental issues. Meanwhile, the man was probably fucking grieving for months that his best friend passed away. No, but they want to spin it and tell everybody and report that he has mental problems. He's depressed. He needs to go home and have personal time. The guy was fucking grieving. This company, this company under Vince McMahon, they're fucking sick. They're sick fucking people. How you could do this to another human being? I I don't understand it. I don't get it. And then they want to shove that in your face and tell everybody that that's the reason. That's the way it was. No, it wasn't. It was not the reason. You had no fucking business firing somebody like him that did more good for your company than negative. Oh, he was making too much money. Fine. Fine. Whose fault is that? Is that Wyndham's fault? When AEW hit the scene... WWE was throwing buckets of money at people. So they didn't jump ship. Whose fault is that? That's not Wyndham's fault. Wyndham took advantage of that. You got no fucking problem bringing in Bill Goldberg, though, for fucking three million per appearance. Never mind Wyndham making three, four million a year. You got no fucking problem bringing in Bill Goldberg to pay him three million per appearance, right? No, but we got to get rid of Wyndham. We got to fire Wyndham. Fuck out of here. Wyndham played the system just like everybody else did. AJ Styles got a bigger contract because AEW existed. Wyndham got a bigger contract because AEW existed. Braun Strowman got a bigger contract because AEW existed. Everybody got bigger contracts because AEW existed. WWE felt the heat and they didn't want to lose their top tier acts. To AEW 
when they were signing everybody and needed big names on their television show. Wyndham was a part of that. Whose fault is that? Not Wyndham's fault. It's WWE's fault. Then you want to place the blame on him because he was making too much fucking money. Why did you give him all the money that he was making? Because of your, of your fucking scared nature. Because you were feeling the heat from AEW and you had to do something. You reacted to AEW being on the scene. Backed by a multi-billionaire who has just as much money to play around with than Vince McMahon. Instead, Tony Khan's not buying fucking hookers and sleeping around with the locker room and NDAing everybody. There was frustration in WrestleMania 37 after months of a Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt storyline, which saw the finish of the match be changed the day before. Imagine being Wyndham going into WrestleMania. Yeah, I'm going to win this feud. Yeah, we're going to end this storyline. I'm going to move on to something else. Imagine all of that being changed the day before. But no, he's got a bad attitude. No, but he's depressed. Lost his best friend. Then you want to treat him like shit and have all this fucking doubt cast over him. Of course, anybody would be in a fucking terrible mental state. You're slowly but surely killing this man right before your very eyes. How much of that do you think somebody can honestly take? This man probably loves, lives, breathes, eats, sleeps professional wrestling. And slowly but surely, you are killing his passion for creativity every single fucking time. And that's exactly what they did. He was supposed to win against Randy Orton at 37. And he ended up losing. And what was one of the worst matches, maybe in all of WrestleMania history. So that was changed the day before. One person who worked on the match noted that no one knew what was going on along the journey of the storyline because Vince McMahon took it upon himself to write the story with Bruce Pritchard and left out the biggest proponent of the story. Wyndham. Wyndham. How the fuck is anybody supposed to know where it's going when it's being run by a 60-year-old Bruce Pritchard and a 77-year-old Vince McMahon? Orton was supposed to lose and have months off. However, that was reversed with Wyatt taking time off and wasn't brought back before he got released. The report noted that there was never a long-term plan by Vince McMahon's regime for the resolution of the story, which frustrated those involved as it was heavily featured on television. They didn't have an ending in line with the story. They didn't have any ending in line. We got a fucking Inferno match. We got Bray Wyatt being burned. We got the burned fiend coming to television. We got Alexa taking most of his powers and throwing fireballs at Randy Orton and doing fucking sigil magic on WWE TV inside the Thunderdome with falling fucking shit from the ceiling. They had a fucking blast as long as they were entertained. But I could sit here and tell you that the majority of the fucking people that watched this shit were absolutely mortified. It was so fucking terrible. One person who worked heavily with Bray Wyatt said, I can't speak for him, but I know I've heard his name brought up. And I don't know how you couldn't feel better about coming in now if you were him. Yeah, all this is changing. All of this is changing. Now, the wrestlers stated that the type of things that they would say is why they didn't push back on creative. Because if a top guy like Wyatt got fired, no one was going to feel safe. 
So, look, they used it as a way. They weaponized it. They weaponized Bray Wyatt's release to instill fear in the rest of the locker room just to get their point across. Don't cross the boss. You you got a problem with creative? Fuck off. They fired the most creative entity in that entire company that is an active performer, and they fired him to weaponize weaponize his release and instill fear in the rest of the locker room because if a guy like that, with everything that I just said, he was number one merchandise-wise, the most popular guy in the company, if someone like that could be released, then anybody, anybody is at risk of losing their job. That's how fucked up this company is. They weaponized Bray Wyatt's release from the company. They used it as a way to make that locker room fill, filled with fear. They filled that entire locker room with fear. The specific relationship between Wyatt and Triple H is unknown. Still, several people have stated it's a clean slate because if Triple H thinks a talent can help the company or make money, most believe he's largely going to throw whatever issues they had with Vince out the window for the sake of creating a better show. And that's exactly what Triple H is going to do. That's exactly what Triple H is going to do. And we've seen it already. Hit Row is going to make SmackDown's tag team division better. Dexter Loomis adds depth and story to Monday Night Raw. Carrying Cross adds a main event level performer to the SmackDown roster. And more to come. Johnny Gargano coming in. There's another tag team waiting in the wings. Probably one of the best tag teams on the planet in DIY. They are going to help everything that this company is in dire need of. That's what he's doing. Wyndham. He's not going to be making the money that he was, even though they could certainly pay him. But WWE is going to pay him what they can right now. And if they pay him handsomely, not as much as he, as he was making, and gives him creative freedom to tell the stories that he wants to tell, obviously overseen by Triple H, who's head of creative, he's going to allow someone like Wyndham to work. He's not going to go the same way that Vince McMahon did and Bruce Prichard did. So the relationship might not be there, But I'm sure Triple H knows exactly what this man has been through. So they have a commonality there. They have common ground there. Let him work. Everybody knows Bray and and whatever character he creates on television is going to make the company better and make the company money. That's all Triple H wants. And then on top of that, he's going to use it as a statement. You fire this guy, I'm going to make him better than you could ever. So that statement that Triple H is waiting to really get out there as far as, yeah, I'm doing things differently than the, than the old guard, than the Vince era. That's always going to be there. And we've seen that multiple times throughout the three weeks that Triple H has been leading creative. One person who worked heavily with Bray said, I can't speak for him, but I know, how could you not feel better about coming in now if you were him? Meaning that Vince McMahon's not there. And how, how could you feel anything but Fucking great about that. Several current wrestlers said they'd happily go to bat for him, but don't believe he's going to need it to get brought back. People at WrestleCon noted it didn't seem like Wyatt shut the door on the idea of returning to WWE. It was also noted that he had no interest in going to Impact Wrestling. Those close to Wyatt have started to get quiet when reaching out to them about what's going on with Wyatt and his future. His name has at least been pitched for a return within creative, but that doesn't mean he's returning because many names have been pitched within creative since Triple H has taken over. 
Fightful Select also reported that WWE higher-ups believe that the company is looking more likely to get Bray Wyatt back. And Mike Rotunda, his father, this is Bray and Bo Dallas's father, former IRS, one of my favorites of all time. He said that they're not done in the wrestling business. He says, and I quote, they're definitely not maybe done. This was last April, says Mike Rotunda. I don't know. They kind of got their own foot going in and doing a couple of different things, trying to see what's available. So, you know, maybe you'll see them back. Maybe you won't. I don't know yet. But I don't want to speak for them either because I know they're trying to reach out and get some different things going. John Cena shared two Instagram posts related to Wyatt. And you know when John Cena Instagrams something that more than likely he's insinuating to the fans that something may be on the horizon. And then Wyatt's long message on Twitter last week where he cryptically wrote about his future, he had to go out on social media and claim that it had nothing to do with his possible future. He was just letting people know. Wyatt claimed that it was not his, his intention to tease his next move. You're not going to see anything from Wyatt at all. He's just going to show up. So what I had to say about all this is basically the same thing that I said back when he got released. Nothing's really changed. But now more and more and more stories like this are coming out. Bray Wyatt working under Triple H is going to be a lot different than working under Vince McMahon. And I said this weeks ago, months ago, when Bray Wyatt's name started to pop up again. Everybody thought he was going to AEW. How many people can AEW take in and then not feature on television? I don't want to see Bray come in and then be featured like a Malachi Black. Malachi was... Somebody that made a big splash on TV and then seemingly just disappeared. After his feud with Cody, he disappeared. I don't want to see that happen for Wyndham. That's only going to bring in negativity to AEW, and they got enough negativity going on about its own company right now. They're not doing everything right. Neither is WWE. But Wyndham going to AEW, I think, would, would create more unrest. And it would magnify AEW more so than they're magnified right now. I don't think Wyndham is going to go and start brand new with a new company and a new, and a new locker room. I think he's going to go back for two reasons and two reasons only. Because this is where his character has pretty much resided most of his career on the main roster. We saw Eater of Worlds, Bray Wyatt, and we saw The Fiend. He's going to go back to WWE television to either continue what he was doing before in the past administration or take the ending of what we should have saw with The Fiend and create a completely new vision for himself. He doesn't want to do that somewhere else. This is just me talking. I don't know. This is just me from what I see. He doesn't want to go somewhere and start brand new with a new vision. He wants to finish what he started and then do something new. Where he did it, not somewhere else. And obviously, he wants to go back and prove everybody wrong. Because there's that part of somebody, and I love that. I love seeing that. I love being a part of it myself. I love seeing it and living vicariously through someone else. When he has been done so wrong, and when someone, doesn't even have to be him, when someone is done so wrong by an individual or a party of individuals, and he has the opportunity to either go back and work for those individuals and prove them wrong, or in this case, go back to WWE 
and show everybody how great he really is and why he was held back because Vince McMahon didn't allow him to break free. I love that. Him going back there to be creatively free and prove everybody wrong, all that former administration wrong, is such a beautiful thing. It is such a natural high. And I could speak from experience, not only for yourself, but watching it as well. To watch it happen to good people is fucking tremendous. I love it. So I do think he's going back to WWE. When? I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I knew. When? Where? How? I don't know. If I was to really gauge on something, I would say probably closer to Halloween. We're not done with the returns. And Triple H is not done by a long shot, as been reported in the last week. He's not done by a long shot. You will continue to see returns and surprises. I'm going to say around October. I do think we see Wyndham back in WWE. And I wish him nothing but the best. And believe me, I'll be sitting here fucking living vicariously through him, as I'm sure all you guys will, to be back on television and do things the right way and prove everybody wrong. Let's check the chat. Let me see what I got going on here, guys. I got, first of all, let me put on some music. 2,700 people. We got nine new members tonight, man. Shout out to all my new members. We got a thousand likes. A thousand likes. Heading towards 1,100. I'm going to need a new minimum, guys. 1,100 is the new minimum. Actually, no, not 1,100. We're on our way to 1,500 is the new minimum. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. 1,500 is the new minimum. Hit that thumbs up if you guys have not done so yet. Super chats are open. You guys are going to get them on in. And we're going to hang out at the end of the show. Tonight, sponsored by Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Remember, Manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout for 20% off and that free international shipping. As always, want to thank Manscaped for sponsoring the show right here on OTS. Moving on, man. We got WWE 2K23 officially confirmed by 2K with a release date window for the game possibly revealed. The release of WWE 2K22 was a rebranding of the WWE 2K series, and it saw a 41% increase in net booking. It was also officially announced this week that WWE 2K23 is in the works with the title being listed for a release in 2023, around, I would say, the same time that this past title was released as well. March. Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics pointed out that Take-Two Interactive's fiscal year ends on March 31st, meaning that the next WW2K release will hit shelves before then. WW2K22 was released on March 8th, so it would make sense if the next game in the series dropped in spring of 2023, one year later. Previous WW2K games have been released in the fall, so it is still possible but unlikely that WW2K23 could be available before the holidays 
AEW recently shed a teaser and shared new screenshots of its Fight Forever console games from THQ Nordic slash Ukes. And that has a placeholder date of December 31st, 2022. But I honestly do think that the game was announced possibly for February or March around the same time as 2K23 next year. I don't really understand why we're releasing another game only a year later. This is the problem with these video games. Call of Duty every year. Madden every year. NBA fucking 2K every year. And nothing changes. They, they hyped up 2K22, WW2K22, to be the best-looking WWE game of all time. And it looked good. So what are they going to do to enhance what they did here? This is why I don't get it. What are you going to do differently as far as graphics in 2K23? What are you going to do differently as far as a career mode in 2K23 that is going to be vastly different from what we saw in 2K22? It's always the same shit. I got to go through NXT. I got to start off as a rookie upstart. I got to go to the main roster. I got to go to SmackDown. I got to go to Raw. How many different times can you play the same fucking story and them ask you to pay $70 to play the same fucking game that you played not only a year ago? It's ridiculous. Instead of taking the core game, building upon the core game, Adding new modes, adding new matches, adding new roster, having the roster continually be updated, fixing what's in the fucking game. I don't get it. The video game industry has become greedy, money-hungry fucking savages. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I think people would have more respect for the fucking companies if they did what I just said instead of releasing the same fucking... What you guys are getting next year is the same fucking game. That's why I'll be all over that fight forever. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. It's not going to be a fucking yearly release. It's going to be add-ons, matches, roster. I don't get it. I never understood it. Monday Night Raw. Raw rating is in for Triple H and Week 2. WrestleNomics released the viewership information for the August 8th episode of Monday Night Raw. And this week's program averaged 1.957 million viewers. This is down 12% from last week. The key demographic experienced the same percentage drop as this week's episode. An average of 700,000 viewers aged 18 to 49 tuned in, giving Raw a 0.5 for 18 to 49 rating. Now, while viewership may not be uh, as big as it was one week ago when Triple H took over, Raw still still did come in at number one for the cable nights at number two in broadcast prime time for the evening. The only program that beat it out was The Bachelorette on ABC with a 0.75 rating. This is what I said last week. You know, everybody was touting the 2.2 the show did, you know, one week ago. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, WWE's turning the corner. Now, they're turning the corner creatively. You notice the shows are booked differently and the shows flow differently. I get it. But the ratings, you know, it's not going to be one week and then we're going to be shouting from the mountaintop, success of Paul Levesque in the Paul Levesque era. No. It's going to be something that's going to have a gradual feel for you. You got to take week one and week two and week three and week four and week five and average the rating and see the dips in the rating and see the highs in the rating. It's not going to be after week one we're claiming success here. 
This is what the geeks online don't really understand. Some of them will look at his uh, at this rating as yeah, it's success, and then the others, oh, it didn't beat it didn't beat last week's rating. Triple H is failing. The shows are better, vastly different, creatively, feel wise, atmospherically. Vince McMahon won't be doing half of the shit that Triple H is doing right now. That's what you're paying attention to. The ratings are going to go up. The ratings are going to go down. But the ratings for Monday Night Raw are a lot better here in the last two weeks than they were in the Vince McMahon era, where they averaged 1.6, 1.7. Triple H is averaging 1.9, upwards towards a 2. Let me tell you something. Monday Night Raw has rarely hit a 2 this year. So that in itself is a fucking success. And USA Network is very pleased with what's going on now. Triple H, he has spoken to Dodrop about a possible name change. Many fans didn't like the name change from Piper Niven to Dodrop, and they were concerned with her, her presentation under Vince McMahon. No shit. No shit. Triple H is in charge now, and he is making several changes to the product, and some fans are hoping that she could get a name change in the future. Same thing goes for Peter Dune, a.k.a. Pete Dunn, who's now operating under the name of Butch. Let me at him, Scoop! Let me at him! Running around like a fucking cartoon character. While speaking with Inside the Ropes, Doe Drop revealed that she has talked with Triple H about a potential name change. She says, and I quote, I'll give 100% full transparency about it. We did have a conversation about it. We did have a conversation because here's the thing. Before it was Vince's vision, and now it's Triple H's vision. So it's like, what's your vision, and where do you see this going? Are you open to ideas? For me, I don't mind either way. I would just like to make more deliberate steps going forward with my character. I feel like for the past little while, things have been weird. She says, she said when her character was given the name, she didn't initially know what to do with it. And it took her a long time to get comfortable with the character. Now that Triple H has come on board, I kind of just want to get more of a feel of who I'm supposed to be and what the options would be as far as different facets of that character or maybe a new character or maybe even an old character. So we'll see. As I said, it's an, an exciting time. End quote. Dodrop also noted that Triple H has been receptive to all of her ideas. She says she understands there are a lot of wrestlers who likely want a change made to their character, so she will remain patient and see what is in store for her character. Now, it should be very easy to go from Dodrop, which is just a very objective, very negative name. It is single-handedly calling her out as, yeah, you're not important and you're an embarrassment, so we'll give you this ridiculous fucking name that we have no fucking vision for. They did not get her started off on the right foot at all. Paired her off with Eva Marie. That went nowhere. Eva Marie, thank God, lost her job. Not exactly what we need in the women's division is Eva Marie, but... Now that she's not there anymore and she was really a lackey for Eva Marie, 
I don't even know why we're going with the Doe Drop character. You could see where their mentality is. They had nothing planned for Eva Marie when she unveiled Doe Drop. And then when Eva Marie was fired, WWE didn't give a rat's ass about even anything remotely close to a vision for Doe Drop. No name change, no storyline. I believe there was a storyline on TV not too long ago where she was trying to snap Nikki Cross, Nikki Ash, out of this fucking superhero gimmick. All of a sudden, it went away. They dropped it like this. They were supposed to go heal. Nothing ever happened. Nothing ever came of it. Maybe Vince McMahon's dementia came into play and he forgot what the fuck was going on. Maybe he forgot that he booked that segment. Yes, she needs a name change. Just like Butch needs a name change. Butch. Who the fuck is Butch? Who is Butch? Sounds like some fucking 60-year-old biker that hangs out in the fucking neighborhood, riding his motorcycle around in the summer, having some fucking old man complex. Ridiculous. Who's Butch? He's never going to be main eventing anything with the name Butch, and Triple H knows that, and Doe Drop knows that as well. You ain't getting on, on, on no headlines, honey, with the name Doe Drop. Do Drop. It should be very easy. Nikki Ash and Doe Drop should be together. She should snap Nikki Ash out of this fucking bullshit comic book character, and Nikki Ash, once she understands she should do the same thing for Dodrop. You aren't who you used to be either. I think we need the old you back. Yeah, I'm dropping this name. My name is Piper. Piper Niven. It's very easy. All they have to do is apply it. Will it happen? I don't know. I don't know. You can do the same thing with Butch. I don't know if this is the case or not. You could make a storyline up. With Seamus. Seamus is calling him Butch. Butch, Butch. What's his real name? What's his real name? Butch is a nickname given to him by Seamus. All he has to do is get upset with Seamus. One week, two weeks, three weeks, frustration. Listen, I'm done with this shit. I'm not Butch. I'm Pete Dunn. Drop the shtick. Go on his own. He's on SmackDown, too. He's on SmackDown. Don't you guys want to see who Pete Dunn is? I know I do, especially with Gunther as the Intercontinental Champion. I think uh, Butch is a waste of my fucking time. You put Pete Dunne on SmackDown, you put him in the mid-card, you got some solid fucking mid-card guys there. Ricochet, Pete Dunne, Gunther, Shinsuke Nakamura, Madcap Moss. Look at what you do there. You take Pete Dunne away from this fucking terrible Butch character, put him in the mid-card, give him his real name back, and you solidify the mid-card for that Intercontinental title. Your Gunther goes from having, you know, maybe one or two opponents to a real top fucking competition there. I don't know why this hasn't been done. I don't. But it should be. And I hope that it is. I hope that is in the plans for both, Drop and... Pete Dunn. Cody Rhodes, the latest on his WWE absence following confusion about his possible in-ring return. Apparently, people think Cody Rhodes is going to show up a week from Monday in Toronto for Monday Night Raw. Rhodes has been about out of action since June, tearing his pec muscle completely off the bone. After wrestling with his injury at Hell in a Cell against Seth Rollins, 
Cody Rhodes was written completely off TV after Rollins attacked him the following night on Monday. Per Dave Meltzer, in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, there have been no complications in the Cody Rhodes rehab following his surgery. It was also noted that WWE is working on documentaries for both Cody Rhodes and the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Although WWE initially said that Rhodes was expected to be out of action for nine months, an upcoming WWE venue has potentially spoiled Cody Rhodes' in-ring return. Cody Rhodes recently provided his own update on his recovery during the San Diego Comic-Con, and, you know, Cody Rhodes is saying, yeah, they're not really giving me a timetable on his return or on my return. You know, they're telling me nine months. I'm going to see if I could cheat that. Cody Rhodes is not going to really give you an answer as to when he's coming back, and the venue that apparently spoiled his return to the ring, they probably weren't updated as to when Cody Rhodes was injured. They may be thinking that Cody Rhodes is still on the active roster and they didn't get the updated line sheet or the updated graphics for promoting this event, this, this show. So for everybody thinking that, oh, this, this venue spoiled Cody Rhodes' return, they don't have the updated flyers. And if they do, they're trying to sell that, that, that Cody Rhodes may be there to sell tickets to the show because that's, that, that, that's all that this is. This, that's, it's, it's the same thing every time. These venues, they don't really get it. They promote Cody Rhodes, and Cody Rhodes is not going to be there. But the fucking casual fan that shows up to these these shows, they don't know that. Oh, Cody Rhodes is going to be back. Let me take the fucking family. WWE's not bringing back Cody Rhodes until these documentaries air on his road to recovery. He will be in the Royal Rumble. He will be back ready to go by October, November, the latest. They will hold him off TV until the Royal Rumble. Maybe Triple H has a different vision. Maybe Cody Rhodes is back on TV before the Royal Rumble. But I honestly think it would kind of ruin everything. Out of of sight, out of mind. He shows up in the Royal Rumble, and that's the first time you see him. Yeah. I think if he's on TV, I think people are just kind of going to associate that. Oh, yeah, he's going to be a top-tier guy. He's going to go into the Rumble and win the Rumble. I'd rather him be a surprise in the Rumble with not being back on television instead of him being back on television for two months and then going into the Royal Rumble. I would do it completely as a surprise. But WWE is claiming nine months. He'll be back by October. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels has put to rest the rumors surrounding who really is running NXT towards the end of the year and into this year. This was the end of 2021 into 2022. Basically since the start of NXT 2.0. Michaels began working at the Performance Center back in 2017. He returned to the ring for one last match at Crown Jewel in 2018, which was absolutely fucking embarrassing. Not for Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels looked good. But everybody else in that match, no. This was against Kane and The Undertaker. Michaels retired from in-ring action for good Soon after that, to join the NXT brand as a writer and a producer, he worked his way up to be second in command under Paul Levesque. Shawn Michaels was the number two man running black and gold. Michaels initially took over the show after Levesque. Yeah, took over the show. After Levesque suffered from a cardiac event in late August last year, Levesque was obviously, you know, Recuperating at home, he underwent heart surgery, took several months off. He returned to his duties at the Performance Center in NXT 
back in June. Now, we don't really know if that's the case, but he went to the Performance Center in June and claimed to the roster that he was back. Whatever the fuck that meant at the time he said it, I don't know. Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard were reportedly the ones responsible for producing NXT at the time in his absence since the start of 2.0. And that is the case. That was the case, and it still is the case now with Bruce Prichard. In addition to handling the big picture aspects such as marketing, promotion, and direction of the show. Shawn Michaels says this, and I quote, When Hunter left, and it became all me, and certainly from a television standpoint, Michaels said this with Bleacher Report, by the way, and this is where they shill what is what I call bullshit. Bleacher Report, obviously they got to tie in with WWE. They can't ever say anything bad about WWE. So I'm going to expose them right now. Matt Bloom is the head coach and takes care of everything from a PC training standpoint. But when it comes to NXT 2.0 television, that's something myself and my team took over creatively. I know a lot of people thought Vince and Bruce were doing that. I can promise you they did not have the time to do NXT television. If it's good or bad, it's all on me, he says. <laughs> oh, man. This guy's a fucking comedian, man. Really, Shawn Michaels is a fucking comedian. It's all on me, huh? It's all on me. Michael says that it's been a great joy to work with all the talent on the show. And while it's still an adjustment for everybody involved, it's been a fantastic experience. Shilling. Shawn Michaels' number one fucking thing now, number one priority is shilling to the new bosses. Again, everyone was put in a real tough situation. We all were. But that's where you learn to do things in WWE. That, to me, is a form of talent development, which is understanding that things can always change Around here, and you have to adjust. The show always goes on. I wish it didn't. Especially on Tuesday nights. Shawn Michaels is a complete bullshit artist. And Bleacher Report should be ashamed for putting this fucking report out. Shawn Michaels is not running NXT. He never ran NXT. The only thing that he ever ran was NXT UK when Triple H asked him to go over there and run that fucking show because Paul Levesque couldn't do both. NXT was at its peak. He could not do both and maintain the NXT essence. He's got NXT black and gold. He sent Shawn Michaels over there who learned everything from him about what NXT should be. Sent him over there and NXT UK was fucking great. In some sense, it still is okay. I don't know who the fuck's running shit now over there, but it's not as bad as fucking 2.0. Bleacher Report should be ashamed of this report going out, and Shawn Michaels is a bullshit artist. He says, NXT, they didn't have time to do NXT television. Really? They didn't have time to do NXT television, but they certainly made the time to go visit the fucking Performance Center and John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard and Nick Khan. They all walked into the Performance Center. And after that week, it only took two weeks for NXT to be fucking demolished. They didn't have time to run NXT, but they didn't have enough fucking time, right? 
to go in there and kill everything that Triple H created? They went in there and they fucking rapid fire. Fired this one, that one, this one, that one. Changed the entire direction of the fucking show. No, but they don't have time to run NXT television. They certainly made enough time to go down there and fucking kill everything. How this report even made the fucking websites is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. The fact that he said this, I'm not surprised. You guys know how I am, and you guys know what I've said about this. I I don't want to sound like a broken record. Shawn Michaels is a bullshit artist. NXT is being run by Bruce Prichard. Everything about NXT is Bruce Prichard. Nothing about the show's changed since Paul Levesque took over Monday night, Friday night. Nothing. It's the same campy fucking cringe garbage that you've seen every week since the birth of 2.0 in September last year. How can Shawn Michaels say it's all on him when this man directly worked with Paul Levesque on the prime years of black and gold? How can this man say it's all on him when he knew exactly what the essence of NXT was and went in there and vastly changed everything? You mean to me that Shawn Michaels learned one way and one way only and then all of a sudden just flipped the switch and started booking fucking Monday Night Raw light on Tuesday? I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I don't have any problem blaming Shawn Michaels, but I'm not going to fucking blame him for the shit that we see on Tuesday night. This is all Bruce Pritchard. If Shawn Michaels is running the show, he is being told exactly who is on television, what the storylines are, and what the direction of the show is from Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard is an executive director of Monday Night Friday night before Paul Levesque took over. He's still running as an executive director on NXT. He answers to Bruce, to Shawn Michaels. So why anybody out there is claiming Shawn Michaels is running NXT, you're a fucking idiot, and you believe everything you read online, from the Fightfuls to the No IQs to the Bleacher Reports. Don't. Shawn Michaels is not running NXT. He never ran NXT. He's a fucking puppet. With a headset on. There's no fucking way it's on him. Shawn Michaels, in this case, is acting like the good little boy that he is. He's not going to actively throw Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard and Nick Khan and John Laurinaitis under the fucking bus. He knows who writes his paychecks. He's out here defensive about NXT. He's deflecting the fucking blame of the show from Bruce and Vince onto himself. That's exactly what's happening. Do not believe the garbage. You guys know better than that. Do not believe the garbage, please. Shawn Michaels never ran and will never run NXT. Never. Maybe now with Triple H in charge, but we haven't seen a fucking change yet. If Triple H is now in charge of creative... And Shawn Michaels is still running that shit the way that we see it? That's not Shawn Michaels. That's all Bruce Pritchard. Triple H will get down there when he's ready. And then he'll get Bruce out. And then he'll give the reins to Shawn Michaels. And then maybe we start to see a little bit more of the black and gold on Tuesday night. That show needs a complete fucking upside down overhaul. That shit is fucking garbage. Garbage. 
Santos Escobar. One of the bright spots on the show Tuesday night. One of my personal favorites. Santos Escobar is headed to the main roster. Rumored. Rumored headed to the main roster. It's been speculated that Escobar is main roster bound following the announcement that he'll be banned from NXT if he loses his match against Tony D'Angelo Tuesday night at Heat Wave on August 16th. These rumors have now been fueled by Escobar's appearance at the WrestleMania 39 launch party. During his appearance, Escobar stated that he plans to turn WrestleMania 39 into Santos Mania. Escobar has teased his WWE main roster debut several times since Triple H took over creative. Escobar has been pushed under a Triple H regime before winning the interim Cruiserweight Championship tournament in 2020, then later becoming the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Champion in April 2021, and he was all over. Triple H's black and gold era of NXT. This is great. I mean, if he makes it to the main roster, great. If he brings Legado del Fantasma with him, even better. They will make a huge impact on the main roster. And Santos Escobar is money. He's money. This should have been a thing years ago. He would have never. The fucked up thing is, we would not be sitting here talking about Santos Escobar making the main roster. Whenever the next round of budget cuts were in NXT, if Vince McMahon was still there, he more than likely would have been on the list for one reason and one reason only, and because of his age. He's 37 going on 38 years old. Ageism is a big thing in WWE. Not anymore. Santos Escobar is still in the best years of his fucking career. He is awesome. And there's not any fucking way you're looking at him and not making money off of Santos Escobar on the main roster. I can't wait. I don't know when it happens, if it happens after Clash, if it happens in the draft. Rumored that we're getting a draft after Clash of the Castle. Santos Escobar and Legato may be a part of the draft. Santos, Carmelo Hayes. We could see those guys brought up to the main roster. Mandy Rose. Maybe all of Toxic Attraction. We don't know. But Santos and Carmelo Hayes are absolutely being brought to the main roster. Braun Breaker, it may be a little bit. They could bring him up now, but... I don't think he's going to be a part of the draft coming up after Clash. Backstage details on CM Punk's AEW return. This happened at Quake by the Lake on Wednesday. Fightful Select has provided an update with backstage details behind the return, noting that the working plan is for a title unification match at All Out between CM Punk and John Moxley. The report notes that the internal hope that CM Punk would be back and ready to go for the all-out event. There was a restricted backstage area on Wednesday during Dynamite's Quake by the Lake, which now most assume was related to CM Punk's return. The news was kept away from staff and most of the roster, including some of the people who were involved in the post-main event brawl. Punk also personally played the news close to the vest. It was also noted that the company didn't want to bring him back too soon, nor wanted to put his recovery behind schedule at an inconvenience. You know, a lot of people, this is going back to the San Diego Comic-Con, uh, WW, uh, not WW, AEW, uh, they were uh, obviously wanting Punk back. And this goes back to the San Diego Comic-Con. Punk was reportedly hopping around on one foot. He was icing his boot every five minutes or so in between uh, segments. 
This is exactly what Punk wants you to think. Punk is not going to outwardly be out there in, in public. If he has to make a public appearance, he's going to play it up. This is not anything new to Phil Brooks. This is the same fucking guy that says, yeah, I hate pro wrestling. Uh, I, I'm disenfranchised with pro wrestling. But meanwhile, you know, how many times, how many rumors have we heard over the last seven years of him being out of pro wrestling, you know, showing up at a random indie event and wrestling under a fucking mask to, to do somebody a favor? He didn't hate it that much. But CM Punk, this is right in his wheelhouse, man, to play on the heartstrings and mind fuck the audience. He wants you to think he's injured. He's not going to outwardly come. He was never going to show up to that Comic-Con without a fucking crutch or a boot or hobbling on one leg. That's exactly what he was going to do. And then he showed up on Wednesday. He stared down Moxley. Interim champion and world champion face-to-face. Moxley gives him the finger. Punk is hopping around on one foot, on the bad foot, and he's showing everybody that he's good to go. Punk is ready to go, or or, or if not right now, he's 98% there, and we'll be ready to go by all out. But they needed him. They needed him back so badly. And now that he's back, This obviously is going to lead to Omega showing up on Wednesday, and then maybe we get Adam Cole. And then if Punk is back on television and Moxley is going to drop the title to Punk and we're going to unify those titles and Punk is going to resume his title reign, this may make way for MJF to get back to television. And then, you know, in the span of three, four weeks, AEW is back firing on all cylinders. But this is the biggest match that AEW could possibly do right now. The biggest match right now for them. And it's going to be great. The promo back and forth between these two. All of the history that Punk has with someone like Moxley. And all the rumor, even then when Punk was on television and The Shield made their way to WWE television. Punk was always aligned and always in discussion with The Shield. Is Punk leading The Shield? Remember all the reports about CM Punk going to bat for Chris Hero to take Roman Reigns' spot in the Shield. CM Punk went to bat for Chris Hero to be in the Shield. WWE opted not for Hero, but for Roman Reigns to be in the Shield. So CM Punk has a lot of history with Moxley, Reigns, Rollins. This is going to be tremendous. The back and forth between them is going to be grade A gold on television. And then obviously... With the decision at All Out, I know a lot of people are are staking claim that Moxley could easily win it. You know, I wouldn't, listen, I'm not going to be the guy to stand firmly behind CM Punk in this. John Moxley has been the MVP of AEW. This is one of the best runs of his entire career. What he's doing right now with the interim AEW championship. Tony Khan made him the champion and he's legitimately carried the fucking company on his back in the absence of CM Punk. Banger after banger after banger after banger as John Moxley's given us. So for, for me to say, yeah, Punk is definitely going to win it, it's pretty unpredictable. It could be Moxley beating Punk. We don't know. For all we know, Moxley beats Punk because Punk wanted Moxley to beat him. You think CM Punk is going to go out there and say, yeah, you will give it to me. My time now. CM Punk is a team player. He may be in discussion with Tony Khan. This guy's run your company, man. He, he, he did, did this and stepped up to the plate in my absence, man. I can't take that away from him right now. He's too hot. It's going to be very interesting. 
Moxley is absolutely the MVP of AEW this year. If I had to choose the number two, it's either Dax or Jericho. But Punk being back is tremendous just by the star power alone. And it's going to be a tremendous match. Tremendous. This is going to lead to MJF getting back to television. And then, like I said, AEW is going to be firing on all cylinders, man. Those stories that Tony Khan had to put on the fucking back burner for so long because all the injuries mounting one after one after one, week after week after week, finally going to give us. And you know AEW's been in this lull, this dead period, this unexciting period for whatever reason. So it's going to be back, and it's going to hit you hard. And I'm excited for it. Punk being back is tremendous. Tony Khan, he shut down a rumor about AEW doing two-night pay-per-views. Now, we talked about this on Wednesday, Jesse and I. And we both agree that two-night pay-per-views for AEW pay-per-views is a mistake. Now, I don't know what that would mean. We may be able to get a, 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 a you know, double or nothing two nights. How is this going to factor into pay-per-view price? Do we got to buy bolt shows on a Saturday and Sunday? Quality over quantity. We don't need to do the WWE deal of quantity over quality. You're going to deflate the importance of the pay-per-views if you do. Double or nothing two nights. Revolution two nights. All out two nights. Full gear two nights. Forbidden door two nights. No, it's too much. Too much. Dustin Rhodes, he mentioned during a recent panel discussion that he heard AEW would potentially be moving to multi-day events down the pike. Now, he didn't say, you know, it was going to be all AEW. So to give Dustin credit, he didn't say it was going to be all AEW. All he said was multiple-day events down the pike, he says. AEW pay-per-view events are typically four hours long, which has been criticized by many fans. AEW President Tony Khan made it clear that the promotion will not be moving to two-day pay-per-views. Well, Dustin didn't say it was going to be AEW moving to multi-day events. It's not going to be AEW specifically. I'm going to tell you what I think this means. But Tony Khan said this. I saw a report where Dustin was talking about doing two-day pay-per-views, and I was like, well, who said that? Who said that? And I looked at it, and then it was Dustin Rhodes. I was like, why would Dustin say that? I love Dustin so much. But I was surprised that he said it, because it's not something we really internally seriously discussed. Tony Khan added, for the, for the long-term foreseeable future, I still see all the pay-per-views being the great one-day events we have been doing. Now, if AEW wants to go and experiment with a two-day event for All Out, or a two-day event for Forbidden Door, or a two-day event for a double or nothing, give it a test run, give it a trial run, one time, I'll be okay with it. But how are we going to factor that into pay-per-view cost? These shows itself cost $49.99. Is it going to be $49.99 on a Saturday and a $49.99 on a Sunday? We're going to be paying $99.99 for a fucking AEW pay-per-view? Or are we going to get a bundled price for a cool price of $64.99? I don't know how many people are going to be willing to pay for two nights of AEW pay-per-view at $50 a pop. It's a little ridiculous to ask your paying fan base, your core fan base to do that. Now, I do think that they will, at least sometime in the future, experiment with a two-day pay-per-view. It's not going to be a double or nothing, or not going to be an all-out at a Now Arena or a United Center. It's going to be a major stadium show. They're waiting for the opportune time to do it at a major stadium show. Whether that happens at TIAA Stadium, Jacksonville, I don't know. Or overseas, I don't know. 
But they will experiment with the two-day pay-per-view. Not right now. But I said this going back to Super Card of Honor. I said this going back to the Super Card of Honor. In that post-show on my channel, you guys can go and cross-reference this if you wish. I said, the Ring of Honor shows are looking more like NXT TakeOver than anything. Same vibe, overall feel, very similar to what the Black and Gold TakeOver events used to be. I said the best way to get Ring of Honor out there is to have it piggyback off of AEW pay-per-views, meaning Revolution, Sunday. Then you do a Ring of Honor pay-per-view that Saturday. Double or nothing, Sunday. Then you do a Ring of Honor pay-per-view that Saturday. All out, same thing. Full gear, same thing. Some people were like, well, JD, that's not going to work. JD, that's not going to work. How are you going to do $49.99 for an AEW pay-per-view and then a $29.99 for a Ring of Honor? Don't buy it. Don't buy it. I'm not talking about you, the paying customer. I'm talking about it being a destination weekend for AEW. Talking about there in the city that's hosting the event. You don't want to pay for Ring of Honor? Don't buy Ring of Honor. Your loss. There, there will be people that buy both shows. There will be people that buy both shows. There will be people that buy one show over the other. But I'm talking about it being a destination show or destination weekend. That's what WWE used to do with TakeOver. And who's to say that AEW at this time, when they want to go and experiment with this, isn't on a streaming service that you're paying $9.99 for. And you get Ring of Honor on Saturday and AEW Dynamite, or AEW Pay-Per-View, rather, on Sunday. They may be waiting to announce a streaming deal, and this is going to be the model. It would be the same exact thing that Triple H did with TakeOver. TakeOver piggybacked off of every major WWE pay-per-view. Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, and Survivor Series. That's exactly what Tony Khan needs to do. He may be waiting for a streaming deal for AEW to do that. And if that's the case, it's a a no-fucking-brainer. But even not, you want to do a a destination weekend with the Ring of Honor and AEW pay-per-view being the center showcase of that, That's going to sell a lot of tickets. You could potentially move Ring of Honor into a bigger venue. Everybody's going to be there for, for, uh, I guess, Dynamite Rampage and the pay-per-view. So why not go check out and why not go spend your Saturday evening at a Ring of Honor show? I like it. I think it's the best way to bring a sense of spotlight onto the Ring of Honor brand before they even start discussing a TV deal and bringing weekly TV back to television. Malachi Black, he's revealed on his TikTok account this week that he recently recovered from a back injury that he believed would be a career-ending injury. He said this on his personal TikTok accounts. Until about three months ago, I was dealing with a back injury and I was convinced I was going to be forced into retirement. But after a literal year of treatment that went from working to complete failure on several occasions, we all of a sudden hit the correct vertebrae during a dry needling session and everything released. From there, we were able to rehab and strengthen. And you can check out video two for this horrendous view of my personal reaction to it. However, allowing me now a few months later to slowly move back into deadlifting and a few more compound moves, end quote. So he's back doing his usual training and he's back in the ring. Malachi was actually just announced for a seminar at the NYC Arena the Saturday before our Terminal 5 show. So you guys can find all of that out 
on the HOG Instagram page. If you guys want to go and get some key pointers from Malachi, he'll be at the NYC Arena representing Asa Glory that weekend, that Saturday, doing a full training seminar. Black hasn't wrestled uh, for AEW in just under a month. It's not clear when he'll make his return to the ring, but he's been on TV. We've seen him kind of mingle with Sting, and we've seen him kind of get in there with Brody and Darby. However, it's great to know that it's not a career-ending injury, and he will be back, and he'll be fine. So I, I think the House of Black, to me, honestly, are your trios champions coming out of this thing. I, I do think that they win it. I do think, do think that they're the right team to win the trios tournament. And as far as Malachi, you know, a lot of people were like, well, why isn't Tony Khan book, booking Malachi? Why isn't Malachi on TV? You know, for all the people that, give Tony Khan shit, most of the people don't really understand what the fuck is going on. They think that they know what's going on internally, and then they don't. And then something like this comes up, and this is all the reason why Malachi has been scarce on television. I think one of the main gripes that I had was the way that they were being booked and the lack of television time that they had because of the creative that they had for them, which was nothing. But now we know that he himself was hurt. He was dealing with a serious back injury, a serious back injury that could have forced him into retirement. When you think you know, you don't. And it's a good thing we did. Malachi's back on TV, and that's a great thing for AEW. Ari Davari. Ari Davari has a backstage role within, w, uh, within AEW. He was with WWE, but he's now with AEW. Fightful Select is reporting that not only is Davari working for the company in an in-ring capacity, we see the Trustbusters on television. We got Parker Boudreaux, and we got Jay, Slim J, or whatever the fuck his name is, Slim J. And we got Sonny Kiss, who was a big topic of discussion this week. In-ring capacity with the Trustbusters, but he's also helping produce matches as well. He was most recently involved with producing the tag team match on August 3rd of Dynamite, with Britt Baker teaming up with Jamie Hayter to defeat Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. He was the producer for that match. Davari had reportedly helped lay down the foundation of the match as the wrestlers put to rest, uh, put the rest of it together themselves. Davari has experienced uh, all of this, uh, obviously being a producer with WWE. He worked with WWE as a producer on a trial basis beginning in April after the company rehired him alongside Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Joe Henning. However, Davari was released from the company three months later along with Henning after things didn't work out between the two men and the company. Ari Davari has been wrestling for a number of years, made quite a name for himself, and he's most well-known for his time in WWE, making his in-ring debut during the 2016 Cruiserweight Classic, where he lost to Ho-Ho Loon. It's a throwback there in the first round of the Cruiserweight Classic. He was a staple on 205 Live, and he's now with AEW. I love this. I, I did not know this. I even thanked him personally. I, I did not know this at all. And when I found that out, I'm like, that's great. That was one of the best women's matches in all of AEW. That was a tremendous tag team match. Very different from what we usually see. And he was a part of that. He laid the foundation of the match with all four of the ladies putting it, putting the rest of it together themselves. We need to see more of that. And if his influence is like that backstage... And his knowledge is like that backstage. We need to see more of that in the women's division. 
The women's division is so hot and cold. So I'm glad to see that he did that, and that was his role. He was a part of that. It was tremendous. And like I said, I hope we see more of that on AEW television because God only knows that women's division needs it. Rampage. Rampage was another story, man. I, I'm at a point with Rampage that if AEW doesn't give a shit about Rampage, then I'm not going to give a shit about Rampage. I'm not. Rampage, they took the entire show. Now, I have no problem with Ari Davari, Parker Boudreaux. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. The thing is, Tony Khan goes from zero to 150 in like five seconds. He doesn't let things breathe. When he's excited about something, he fucking throws it in your face like a Randy Johnson 103-mile-hour fastball. It's ridiculous. And that's what he did on Rampage with the Trustbusters. Rampage was fucking embarrassing on Friday. Now, there was some good stuff on Rampage. Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia, right? That was great. That promo was great. That back and forth was great. I'm excited about that two out of three falls match. But the rest of the show, the, 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 the Trustbusters theme music played about three or four different times on the fucking show. Parker Boudreaux beat Sonny Kiss. Ari Davari wrestled fucking uh, Orange Cassidy. Sonny Kiss joins the Trustbusters at the end of the show. Why are we taking AEW Dark and putting it on Rampage? When Rampage realistically should be the SmackDown to AEW's Dynamite. It should be the True B Show. You know, I've seen a clip floating around on Twitter about the first ever Rampage that had Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega for the Impact World Championship. I don't think we've had a more important Rampage since then. Obviously, we got the first dance. That was the biggest Rampage of all. But outside of those two, Rampage has been nothing more than a fucking dark table. It's not live. It has a rushed feel to it. They tout that it's the fastest hour in all of pro wrestling. I don't think that's something that you should be touting. That doesn't really give it the credibility that it needs. Sonny Kiss and the Trustbusters being a focal point throughout the show is not what the fans want to see out of Rampage. The fact that Sonny Kiss was on television should not have been the case on Friday. And I stand firm in what I said on my SmackDown post show. Sonny Kiss was only on TV because Sonny Kiss complained about not being on TV and Tony Khan came up with the plan to get him on television. And now he's a heel. Who cares? Save that shit for dark. Nobody like that should be on television. I'm not picking on him specifically. People that are that way, that aren't good at what they do, should not be on television. You are as green as grass. I don't even think Parker Boudreaux should be on fucking television. He's 2-0. and And he's still in the midst of learning a lot. Yet they're in the fucking trios tournament. I could have picked two or three other fucking teams to be in the trios tournament. But they're in the tournament. Why? Instead of pushing something that you like so hard on television and making your show on Friday seem like fucking amateur hour, why don't you take time with developing the stars and let the fans see what they like and what they don't like. You forcing the trust busters on us and you forcing Sonny Kiss on television isn't really going to do 
the best thing that you need for Rampage. It's not. There were a lot of people that were really, really, really thrown off by Friday's Rampage, me included. And I've been an AEW fan all this time since day one. But I'm not afraid to call them out when their shit stinks or when they're good. Friday's show sucked. Amateur hour. And that's not the way Rampage needs to be. And yes, it's only an hour. And yes, it appears on TV, on Friday, on TNT, in a 10 p.m. time slot. But that that doesn't mean you need to fucking make it amateur hour. And it was never supposed to be a ratings fucking giant on TNT. That's not what TNT or Warner Media gave AEW an extra hour television for. They're not looking to fucking break the ratings scale with Rampage. That's what people don't understand. But if you're going to make it feel like that, no wonder the ratings are sinking week after week after week after week. Rampage will never be what we need it to be unless it goes live on a normal night at a normal time slot. So please continue pandering to the fucking narratives that you need to push on television and cater to the fucking different audiences out there out there, and be all-inclusive, whatever the fucking case may be. No one is going to watch it if that is the fucking garbage that you're producing on Friday night. Statlander, injured. Knee injury, will need surgery. Now, Statlander suffered another torn ACL and lateral meniscus tear. Statlander was doing the workout to maintain as much strength as possible throughout this injury. She didn't exactly state when the surgery will be, Uh, But she did post something on Instagram. This comes after she was sidelined with a torn ACL, left ACL in June 2020, and was out for several months. It's never good to suffer this type of injury because the time frame for return is about nine months. And there were plans for her to get a major push on AEW television. I feel like uh, she was going to be the one to beat Jade Cargill for the TBS title. And now we know. Now we know why she just suddenly disappeared off television. So it sucks because she was a major player and was about to become a major player. She just transformed her character. She shed the alien gimmick. She was being more like herself. And then she gets another injury, suffered a left ACL. Now it's the right ACL. So now both ACLs are going to be reconstructed and repaired. I can only hope that this is the light at the end of the tunnel for uh, Chris Statland. I can't even imagine being that young and suffering two absolutely terrible injuries. The worst injury that you could possibly suffer outside of fucking breaking your neck or a concussion that leaves you out for fucking years, like Brian. SmackDown. Vince McMahon wanted to bury Gunther on television after his WWE Raw appearance on 4th of July. Now, what did he do on 4th of July? He buried R-Truth. R-Truth came out dressed as Uncle Sam. And Gunther blasted him and beat him down in about 90 seconds. WrestleVolts reported yesterday that after Gunther appeared on the 7-4 episode of Monday Night Raw, those in power, Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard at the time, soured on Gunther for some reason, and there were plans to bury him on TV. Now, on the 7-4 episode, like I said, R-Truth made his way out to the ring for an Independence Day skit, dressed as Uncle Sam, 
Gunther interrupted and then beat R-Truth in a match in about 90 seconds. There didn't seem to be anything wrong with Gunther's performance, but the powers that be in WWE at the time apparently saw things differently. Maybe they were watching AEW Dark. That's what it sounds like to me. Or maybe they mistaken Gunther for Ludwig Kaiser. Russell Votes tweeted, and I quote, Following his appearance on Raw on 7-4, those in power at the time soured on Gunther for whatever ridiculous reason to the point where a burial on TV was coming just a month later and quite the difference, dot, 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 end quote. Gunther is now being presented as a top-tier guy because he's a Paul Levesque guy. Keep that in the back of your mind. Last night on SmackDown, they pushed the Intercontinental, or Ross Friday, rather, on SmackDown, the Intercontinental title is a title that should be respected, and Gunther's IC title match against Shinsuke Nakamura was saved for the main event of the show. Imagine, imagine being Gunther, who worked NXT UK under Triple H for four years, three years, held that title for 800 days, comes to the U.S., wrestles on NXT, wrestles for black and gold, wrestles for 2.0, knowing that him and what he represents doesn't fit the mold of that show. He was there. He did what he was asked. Right, He moved to the States. He got engaged to Ginny. He transformed his body. You go look at Gunther from two, three years ago, and you look at Gunther now, and you see a completely different man. Some people don't like the way he looks now. Some people prefer the way he looked before. But he is in the best shape of his life. He is as healthy as any point in his life. He did that all because he knew he was moving to the States. He wanted to be with his wife. And he wanted to be a part of WWE. He got in shape. He got in shape knowing that the powers that were in charge then really took appearance as a big thing. He realized that if he showed up on television as the old Walter, big and not really any muscle definition, and he was out of shape or what they would think is out of shape, I thought he looked fine. I thought he looked great. But they would look at him thinking he's out of shape. He knew that if he showed up looking like that, he was never going to go anywhere. This man put in the work, dedicated himself to making himself look the best he's ever looked, moved to the States, didn't complain, didn't say anything, put over Braun Breaker, put over everybody they asked him to put over, wasn't really anything special on 2.0. He got called up to the main roster. They broke up Imperium. They broke Fabian Eichner away from him. They changed his fucking name. They changed Kaiser's name, right? Not one single fucking complaint from this man. Only to go to the main roster. He gets treated like a big deal for about a month, month and a half. I would have ended up being right anyway, right? I was going to end up being right anyway. I knew it. Go to the main roster, being booked like a fucking stud, wins the Intercontinental Championship, buries Ricochet not once but twice, and he's the Intercontinental Champion. They stalled in this feud with Nakamura. They didn't know where they wanted it to go, when it was supposed to happen. Triple H, first night in there. Yeah, we're doing this match tonight. 
We're going to build the IC title. We're going to give it a video package. It's going to be a, a, a two-hour long thing. You guys are going to get the main event, and you're going to put the Intercontinental title in the fucking position it needs to be in in the main event at the end of the show. Imagine. Imagine Gunther doing all of that and not complaining a fucking single thing. Complaining about a single thing. Only for Vince McMahon to look at him, sour on him for no reason, and decide that he was going to bury Gunther. J.D., what's the reason? What's the reason? Why would Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard bury Gunther? Folks, the answer is the same fucking answer I gave you last year, the year before that, the year before that, with every fucking release. With every release and the death of NXT, black and gold, it is the same fucking reason. If they buried Gunther from the word go, it would be blatant and they would get a shitstorm of bullshit coming down upon them. They figured that they toy around with them for a little bit. They'll book them like a fucking stud. They'll book them like a monster. It'll be two, three, four months before they, they do anything to counteract that. Yeah, we'll give him the IC title. We'll pretend in front of the audience that he's being booked like a big guy on our roster. And then we'll bury him gradually, slowly, but surely. They're not going to outwardly bring him to television and fucking bury him. You can't do that with somebody like that. And it would be fucking right in your face. They, they wouldn't even fucking be able to hide that shit and what their intention was. They think they're slick, though. They think they could prolong it. Yeah, we'll give him a good spot. We'll give him the title, right? Even though the title meant nothing. What's the Intercontinental title in the Vince McMahon era? Garbage. Garbage. I use it as a fucking paperweight on my fucking desk. And I don't have any papers on my desk. I put it on the fucking wall and let it collect dust. That's exactly what they did with it. You see, if they buried Gunther from the word go, their intentions would be right in your face. They felt like if they prolonged it, it would be kind of concealed and hidden a little bit. They would make up, it would give them enough time to make up some fucking bullshit narrative as to why they need to bury him. Oh, he's out of shape. Oh, we don't like the way he wrestles. Oh, we can't speak English. Oh, we can't cut a promo. Oh, he's not getting over with the fucking crowd. Why did they decide to want to bury him? Simple, folks. Gunther and Ludwig. Kaiser and Gunther. Or Walter and Marcel Bartel. They are Paul Levesque guys. I don't know what else you need from me. I don't know what else you need from me. They're Paul Levesque guys. Why were they going to be buried? Because they're black and gold. Why were they going to be buried? Because they love, they, this is game, this is like a fucking hobby to them. Oh, look, look, we got Triple H's big Walter. <laughs> some guy that's some fucking Austrian that don't speak English, right? Uh, Triple H made this guy champion for 800 days, <laughs> right? We're going to bury him. He thinks he can book better than us. We're going to bury him. Imperium, we killed it. It's what they do. It's what they do. They love it. Thank fucking God Vince is gone fucking joke can you imagine working your fucking ass off to move to this country marry a woman here and fucking go and get buried after doing everything that they ask of you and there are still people out there that want Vince McMahon back 
There are people out there that miss Vince McMahon. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Gunther's going to be undefeated for a very long time. That Intercontinental Championship is going to be a fucking staple on this show. And the prestige is going to be brought back slowly but surely to the Intercontinental title. If you don't think Vince McMahon was a fucking cancer to this industry, to this business, to this company, get the fuck out. Hope he fucking rots. What a fucking disgrace. An absolute fucking disgrace. And Bruce Pritchard, the fucking last thing I'll say about this, this is one of those instances where I know he was a part of that shit. I know he was a part of that shit. He's there now on SmackDown. He's looking at everything happening. And he's like, oh, man, I don't know. Uh, uh, this, is, this is not what we wanted to do, right? He was obviously for everything Vince McMahon wanted. This is absolutely Vince and Bruce is doing. There's nobody else to blame but those two. So the fact that he's there now and he's seeing all of this, I see Title and Gunther and guys like Gunther and Ricochet and the NXT, Shayna Baszler getting a spotlight on SmackDown. Bruce is probably fucking sweating underneath his fucking three or four rolls. He's probably sweating underneath his fat. Good. Good. Now you get to see how it is really supposed to be done by professionals, Bruce. Go back to your fucking shit podcast and tell stories and fabricate stories for the last 30 fucking years. Fucking scum. Get out! Moving on. Carrying Cross. WWE is going to push Karrion Cross as the number two heel behind Roman Reigns. Good. Good. Another thing I'm glad to see Bruce Pritchard sit in for and look. Oh, Karrion Cross, we fired him. Good. Good. Now Triple H is bringing, bringing Cross back and showing you how things are supposed to be done. According to Fightful, Triple H was dismayed. Dismayed. By the way, Cross and Scarlett were handled on the main roster by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard last year as he was a big supporter of the duo. No shit. This guy probably fucking lost sleep. Laid in bed with Stephanie while Stephanie was reading there, reading her book with her fucking reading glasses on, with her little nightlight on in her pajamas. Honey, why does your your, uh, father, why does he hate me? What did I do to him? Why is he killing everything I created? Probably ask this woman on a nightly basis. Why did he fire Cross? Why would he fire Scarlet? Why did he fire Andrade? Why did he fire Miro? Why did he fire everybody? Dismayed. I was dismayed. Triple H was fucking dismayed. We were all dismayed. Which obviously led to their return on SmackDown. Cross apparently is being positioned as a top guy right from the word go. According to a separate report from PW Insider, the duo has been in constant conversation with WWE about coming back to the company since their release. And Triple H is envisioning Cross as the number two heel on SmackDown next to Reigns. As far as where Cross fits into the McIntyre Reigns storyline, it is being suggested that WWE could throw Cross into the match at Clash of the Castle. But that right now, to me, is not the plan from what we see on television. Now, number two heel is fine. Roman Reigns isn't even going to be there on a full-time basis. He may end up being the number one heel on Friday Night SmackDown because Roman Reigns is a part-time guy. 
Cross being the number two heel is great. Cross being on television in the way that we saw on Friday is great. Very, very rarely seen. You know, you don't need to have him on every show. That's why you got Scarlett there. Scarlett is more than enough, more than capable of, you know, obviously continuing storylines without overexposing Cross, which we saw on Friday. He cut a great promo, and then Scarlett was in the ring with the Usos and Drew McIntyre. I don't necessarily think putting him into a match with Reigns and McIntyre at Clash of the Castle makes much sense. And I don't think that Triple H is going to go ahead and do that. Now, the one idea that I proposed was maybe Cross and McIntyre in the open of Clash of the Castle, and then McIntyre beats Cross and goes on to Russell Reigns, but then you would have to give Cross a big loss in his first match back, and I don't think you necessarily want to do that. So I think we go with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Cross plays into all this and I guess challenges the winner at the end of the show or somewhere down the line, and they build a bigger story coming out of who wins that match at Clash of the Castle, which I do think will be Drew McIntyre. I think Drew McIntyre is going to beat Roman Reigns at Clash of the Castle. But putting him inside that, that match and putting him at that show in a triple threat match is not the right way to go about it. That's not the Triple H way. Throwing somebody in there because he's your guy and uh, putting him in a championship match when he really hasn't done anything to deserve it, and he's just back for his first appearance after a full year. Not really the Triple H way. So we will see what happens there, but Cross is going to be positioned as a number two heel behind Roman Reigns. He may end up being the number one heel because, like I said, Roman Reigns is not going to be on television every single week. So McIntyre and Roman, we know that's the main event. Now, Meltzer also added what he thinks is going to happen with Karrion Cross at Clash of the Castle. He says, and I quote, by the way, for Cardiff, it's still Roman and Drew right now, and I was told, of course, this could always change, but I was told that it's not going to really change. They feel that has to be the match. They don't want to be whatever. So as far as when Cross gets his shot at Roman, because obviously they're building to that, I have no idea when that will be. So with all the rumor going around that Cross is going to be included in Clash, he may not even have a match at the show. So we will see what happens. But right now, uh, there's three weeks away. And and again, I don't think with three weeks away, we're going to get something drastically changed. So it's going to be Cross, it's going to be McIntyre, it's going to be for the undisputed title, and I think Drew McIntyre is going to win the titles. I don't think he's going in there in that country in front of those people and the amount of people that will be there with a potential theme music change going back from, you know, what he's gotten out to broken dreams that he's teasing. I don't see them doing all this and him losing in that show. I can't see it. I do think he ends up winning the title. The other thing is Austin Theory. He's been out of out of sight, out of mind here. We can see Austin Theory cash in on Drew McIntyre and win the championships and send everyone home unhappy. So that is going to be a big, big deal. Keep an eye on him. That was one of my earlier predictions as well. McIntyre beats Roman, and then Austin Theory cashes in on McIntyre and ruins the whole fucking show. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, Meltzer says it right now is going to be Cross, not at the show, in that match. And it's going to be Roman and McIntyre, and that's it. It has to be that. Now, with Karrion Cross coming back to the company, you know, obviously his independent dates are going to be very scarce now, and he's going to maybe finish up some of the things that he had already been obligated to do and he's been confirmed for. I hope one of those things is House of Glory. I do think that, uh, you know, it would be a better show with him on it. Obviously, WWE is going to pick and choose what shows he does uh, you know, finish his dates for. 
I hope House of Glory is one of those. We did a lot of building up for this match. Cross being inside a House of Glory ring has been talked about for a, a few years now. And I hope that he's there. So we'll see what happens. He's supposed to wrestle low-key on the 28th. I, I don't know what is going on with that. I haven't heard anything from anybody, which I, I guess if I don't hear anything, it's good news, right? Hopefully. But one of the things that he was going to be a part of, that is if you're Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. was a ex-creative writer for WWE. I found this to be interesting, and I wanted to put this into the show. Freddie Prince Jr. was talking about this on his podcast, Wrestling with Freddie. He said that he was going to make Killer Cross his world champion. Now, he's starting up a wrestling promotion. Yo, Freddie, if you need a commentator, right here, bro. He's starting up a wrestling promotion. It's going to be a little bit, he said, around 18 to 24 months before he gets everything settled the way he needs to. When the promotion gets started, he wanted to make Killer Cross his inaugural champion, which I think that's a great choice, right? So Freddie Prince Jr. said this, and I quote, so I announced on the first season of this with Ariel Hawani that I was starting a wrestling federation, which I still am, and I'm working very hard at. My champion, and I had spoken with him a lot, was going to be Killer Cross. He was my guy. I was building the whole thing around him. We had kind of worked on the story. We talked about philosophy, talked about his character, his wife's character, with the caveat of, hey, you can't hold your career up to make my thing go. So I said, if you get other offers, you need to make a living. You go make a living, man. I got a text on Thursday, the day before SmackDown. I get a text that says, hey, man, I need some advice. Let's chat. So I already know, and I almost wrote him the day before, hey, with Vince gone, you're going to get a call from Hunter. I literally wrote the text. I said, he's going to offer you the moon, and if you say no, you are out of your mind. So don't trip. I deleted the whole text, and instead I just sent him a picture from this storyboard guy that's doing part of the show for me so that I can, you know, pitch it properly. I just sent him a picture of some of the storyboard stuff instead because I didn't want to freak him out. So the very next day, I get this text from him saying, can we talk? I need some advice. We start chatting, and he says, I talked to Hunter. They made me an offer, and it's real. I think I believe him when he's telling me what's going to happen, and you and I need to talk. I said, yeah, brother. I told him. I wrote you a text yesterday, and then I deleted it because I knew this was going to happen once Vince left the company. So we talked about it. I said, look, you'd be crazy to chase my dream in place of yours. Your dream was never to be, you know, and he doesn't say the name of his promotion, but your dream was never to be the Freddie P champion. It was to be the WWE champion. I can't hold you up from that. Freddie Prince Jr. is a class fucking act, really. That's the type of guy that you want running a wrestling promotion, man. If this was anybody else, nine out of ten times, a promoter would be like, no, fuck them, man. You owe me. You know, I'm paying you. We got these plans and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Freddie Prince realizes that there will be other people out there when he gets his federation started and that, you know, he understands Cross was wrongfully terminated and embarrassed under a Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard administration got fucking discarded like he was nothing, only to get called back by people who truly value him and want to give him what he rightfully deserves. 
and want to take a chance on him, Freddie's like, no, man, you go do that. You go fucking kill it. Nobody's going to be worrying about me. I have nothing going on right now. We're not anywhere ready to take off. You go and make your shit happen, and you go win the WWE title. That's the type of guy you want to work for. That's the type of fucking guy you want to work for. So shout out to Freddie Prince Jr., man. That's awesome. That is awesome. I wanted to put that in the show to really kind of give you an idea how great the wrestling industry can be and how terrible the wrestling industry could be. We talked about Vince McMahon and all the derogatory things he said about Bray Wyatt and Bruce and Vince wanting to fire somebody like Gunther. And then you got Freddie Prince Jr. who actually respects the fucking talent and the industry. You got to love it. And, and he's funding all this himself, which is another thing. Goes to show you how much he loves the industry. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks and Naomi, they agreed to return to WWE. It is imminent. When? I don't know. But they will be back. In the next, we, uh, I would say, four to six weeks, you'll see Sasha Banks and Naomi back on WWE TV. Meltzer said the following. Last week, which is the last I checked, the contract situation hadn't been signed. But they were all expecting that it was happening. They all were on the same page. I was basically told it's as good as done, but they haven't signed, so it could fall through. They may have already signed by now, but a week, uh, as of a week ago, I was told that they were back. It could be any week now, any week. It's whatever day they want. They are probably pacing things. You don't want to show all your cards in one week after Triple H taking over. You know how you, you want to have something big to talk about every week. For the next couple of weeks, an agreement in principle was reached over a week ago. Now, with obviously the Tag Team Championship Tournament ongoing on television, it would probably be right to bring them out at the end of the tournament to confront probably who wins, EO Sky and Dakota Kai. And I honestly do think that we get uh, some, some sort of tag team match between those two teams. And it would be great to see Sasha and Bayley interact as well. So we will see what happens there. But uh, I truly believe Sasha and Naomi will be back in the WWE. There's no way that Triple H took over and did not immediately call those two women. They will be back when? I don't know. More than likely at the end of the women's tournament. Top dollar. I have major news here, folks. Top dollar unblocked me on Twitter. He unblocked me on Friday night. So shout out to Top Dollar, bro. And everybody says, you never know who's listening. You never know who's listening, man. Top Dollar, he's back on WWE television with B-Fab and Ashante the Adonis. But when Top Dollar got fired, he had major backstage heat before he was released in WWE in November. According to a new report, a recently returned WWE superstar in Top Dollar was a heat magnet backstage, but crucially... Not with WWE boss, Triple H. Ten months on from their first main roster appearance and nine months on from their WWE departure, Hit Row is back on SmackDown. The team of Top Dollar and Ashante Adonis made their surprise return on Friday with B-Fab in their corner. They made short work of two local enhancement jobbers. On August 11th, it was reported that Top Dollar was scheduled to be at SmackDown as Triple H continues to reshape the WWE's main roster. Top Dollar originally signed with WWE back in January 2020 before joining forces with then-Isaiah Swerve Scott in NXT five months later. After the duo came together the following week, they were joined by Ashante Adonis and B-Fab creating 
hit row. The foursome was called up to the main roster as part of the WWE draft in October, but all four members were released a month later. Speaking on Wrestling Observer Live, Brian Alvarez discussed the impending return of the group and how Top Dollar was seemingly a heat magnet backstage before the group was let go for the very first time. I was heard. What I heard was, says Alvarez, I did not hear this from one person. This was a lot of people. It was not really a secret, and I think it was talked about when they were released. This Top Dollar was a heat magnet, dude. He was a heat magnet. And the way he was described to me was, he knows the right people to not be a heat magnet with Triple H. And Triple H was one of the guys that did not see all of the heat that was being speculated. When people talk to Triple H about Top Dollar, Triple H said, well, he's cool with me. So he was put, So Triple H pushed him and did all the stuff they did. And there were a lot of people who really didn't like Top Dollar, so he ended up being released, and now he's coming back. You know, this was one of the things that we really focused on when we talked about Top Dollar and Hit Row as a force. You know, I could sit here and say whatever I can about Top Dollar, but I said this on Friday. I'm not even looking. I'm not even going back into the past. I'm not. Whatever was said was said. You know, I love to be very open and truthful. My words sting, or if the statements that I made hurt you, good. Good. I never want to bullshit my audience. I said why they were released, and it's the same reason why we talked about Bray Wyatt, and we talked about Gunther, and we talked about everybody that was released under the Triple H Black and Gold banner. Anybody that was even closely affiliated with Paul Levesque was gone. That was their main mission. Their main mission was to erase, embarrass, and wipe everything clean without any fucking, any smell of Triple H. Now the tides have turned, and this is the greatest comeback story in the history of the company. He's back after being fucking erased, and now he's leading Vince McMahon's show on Monday and on Friday, bringing back all the talents that Vince McMahon had fired because they were fired for the reason of they were affiliated with him. I said it from day one. Hit Row should have not been brought to the main roster. There were others on that show that were probably ready more so than Hit Row. I mentioned Legato Del Fantasma. It could have been fucking Legato. It could have been Hit Row. It could have been anybody. If it was somebody else instead of Hit Row, they would have been fired. And we would have been talking about them and not Hit Row. But the fact that it was Hit Row, I said it then. I'm going to reiterate it now. Hit Row would never translate in a Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard era main roster. It was never going to happen. They don't get it. It's uncool to them. They don't understand that demographic. Hit Row was visceral. Hit Row was given an opportunity. How many reports did you read about Hit Row being sent out there by Triple H? Yeah, just go get it over. Go get yourselves out. I can't write for you. I trust you enough to go out there and get yourselves out. That's what he did. That's what he did with all four of them. He gave them the freedom to go out there within the boundaries of WWE creative to get yourselves over. And by that alone, Triple H did the biggest thing possible for them. He let them fly free. That was never going to happen in a Vince McMahon, Bruce Prichard era. Never. Top dollar, 
Swerve, B-Fab, and Adonis were all going to be written by a 60-year-old Bruce Prichard and a 77-year-old Vince McMahon. That was my problem. And when that was known to the audience and my audience and all other podcasts' audience, then we started saying, collectively, I give these guys four, five weeks, and they're gone. Vince will get bored. Vince will see them. He will get bored. He will not understand them. He will make an excuse to get rid of them or take them off TV. They're not getting over. I don't understand them. They're not wrestling the way that I want. They can't cut a promo, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. Like everybody else that got called up from black and gold, he would get rid of them. Fired. I said they were going to get fired. I got called a racist. I got got called scum. I got called this. I got called that. You name it. You name it. Swerve blocked me. Top Dollar blocked me. I was misunderstood. I didn't really, I didn't really understand why. I understood why, but I also did not understand why. But I was only telling you exactly what I saw from a fan, a smart fan, who's watched this product week after week after week since he was four years old. I know Vince and Bruce better than most people, and I have no fucking connections within that company. None. You would think I do, but I don't. They were gone in four weeks. Now, supposedly Top Dollar and B-Fab did modeling, and Ashante Adonis went out to Hollywood and did some modeling, and they all worked on their in-ring ability. I hope so. And I'm glad that they're back. I'm glad that they're back. And I appreciate Top Dollar possibly... You know, understanding me now a little bit better than I was before. I didn't mean any ill will before. The whole backstage environment with him having heat, I mean, I can't help you with that one. You got to go in there and be humble. The fact that you're now working with Triple H, the only thing I could tell you from an outside pair of eyes looking in is to make that man look good. Do not do anything to get on that man's bad side. Do not do anything to make that man regret bringing you back. Respect the business. Bring your your environment. Bring your, your hobbies. Bring your tastes to WWE to make you and Hit Row unique. Don't walk in the back thinking that you're Randy Orton. Don't walk in the back thinking that you're top dollar and you should be fucking top shit. Work to get the respect that you would want from that locker room or from the fans that watch this product. Go out there and kill it every week. Seriously. I had high hopes for this, this group in NXT, only to see everything wiped away. I'm sorry I was right. But now I look at Triple H running the show, and now they're in good hands. But man, I can't help you with that backstage heat shit. And the stories of backstage heat, they stemmed from him cutting promos on Jinder Mahal and him not getting clearance from WWE management to sell storylines that weren't really a priority on television. He took it upon himself. He thought that whatever Triple H said, yeah, go out and get yourselves over. It was going to be the same way on the main roster. No. No. You are over on you are over on unless I say you're over. Or you aren't over unless I say you're over. You're only going to be over when I say so. But they got a good spot now. They really do. Then be back on television gives three extra bodies to SmackDown. Then being back on television gives them another opportunity to get another tag team in that tag team division. And they will generate interest. They will. 
I don't know who's going to lead the group, but apparently Top Dollar is reacting online to fans suggesting a leader for Hit Row. Top Dollar advised fans to quit suggesting wrestlers for Hit Row. Swerve Strickland, he was Isaiah Swerve Scott in NXT and in WWE. Obviously, cannot be the leader of Hit Row because he signed to AEW. And please, stop with the narrative. Stop with the narrative of Swerve wishes he was back in WWE. Can we have both fucking groups do well for themselves? Why does Swerve need to go back to WWE to find success when he's right now the current AEW Tag Team Champion with Keith Lee? Is it out of the realm of possibility that he can go on and succeed without Hit Row? I don't get this narrative, man. Shut the fuck up. Really. Top Dollar made it clear and says this. Guys, please stop adding all your favorite black wrestlers to the group. We are not accepting applications at this time. Hit Row joins the likes of Dakota Kai, Cross, Scarlett, Dexter Loomis. Back on WWE television. As Triple H hires that Vince McMahon fired and only get brought back to TV. I said this on Friday. Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes is somebody that I would throw out there as possible leader for the group. It works. You want to bring Trick Williams back to, uh, or you want to bring Trick Williams up rather to the main roster and pair him with Carmelo Hayes in hit row. I think it would work. But I don't know. That could be the case, and they may be downplaying it. I know Carmelo Hayes is ready for the main roster. He will be a part of the draft, no doubt about it. I said this, mark it down, circle it on your fucking calendar. Carmelo Hayes is dropping that North American championship, and he will be on the main roster. Whether or not he joins Hit Row, I don't know. Maybe we don't need anybody to join Hit Row. Maybe Hit Row wants to be Hit Row and get over on themselves, get over on their own. Maybe they want to do it. Prove everybody wrong and get back in the tag team ranks and really start generating some interest for them and the group. We'll see. But Carmelo Hayes is somebody that would easily fit into the group if Triple H wanted that to happen. Because I don't see Trick Williams joining the main roster with Carmelo and being a, a act on the main roster. He's not really ready for that. So if you want to pair them and put them in hit row and have them all be together, I think that's a possible way to go about it. But who knows? Who knows what the plan is? Maybe there is no leader. Maybe there is no leader at all. WWE. This is the last story here, guys, before we get the hell out of here and go to the Super Chats. WWE apparently is eliminating the last name protocol. So the last names that were cut could be receiving a change and brought back. A recent WWE protocol involved talent changing their ring names, with WWE opting against using talent's real last names or indie names outside WWE. Angel Garza took to Twitter this week to imply that he would be reverting back to using the Garza surname. Both he and Humberto Carrillo lost their surnames thanks to Vince McMahon back in November of 2021. Melter noted in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that some of the previous name quirks in the company may be changing and that the belief is that Humberto will also get his surname back. He said, and I quote, some of the weird name quirks may be changing, Angel has already noted that he is getting the Garza name back, which is notable because that is a family name, and under Vince McMahon, the idea was no last names that had been used prior to WWE unless somebody is already established in WWE with that name or a Gable Stevenson-like coming in with a Olympic background. The belief is that Humberto will get Carrillo back as well. 
Obviously, you could uh, add a couple other names to the list of names here. Pete Dunn and maybe Tommaso Ciampa. We don't know. But uh, the name protocol may be going away in WWE, which will only be a good thing because Vince McMahon, you know, him knowing or him thinking that is the way to go. Who the, I, I mentioned this on for who the fuck is Angel? Who's, who's Humberto? Angel and Humberto. They have last names. They're more dominant and more known as their full name instead of getting their name cut. It's not like you're, you're cutting off Antonio Cesaro. Cesaro is a great name. Cesaro is identifiable, right? Miro or Rusev, Alexander Rusev, right? He was Rusev in WWE. Rusev was a cool name. Miro is a, is a cool first name, right? But Angel, Angel and Humberto, they don't stand out. Angel and Humberto could be anybody. So I don't, I don't really understand name changes like that. So yes, I hope the name protocol, just like everything else, the banned words go away, the fucking hospital belt and wrestler terms all being brought back to television, whatever is going to make the show more organic and give it a little bit more of a human fucking feel instead of, you know, living in their own bubble and creating their own universe, it's going to be better off for the television show. Guys, that's all I got, man. That's all I got. We are three hours in here with Off The Scripts. And now we're about to get into the Super Chats, man. 2,700 in the OTS venue tonight. Awesome, awesome stuff. want to thank you guys for joining me, man. Hit that thumbs up. We are uh, 21 away from 1,500 likes. So if you guys have not hit the thumbs up, can you do so for me, please? And let's get 1,500. Super Chats are open. We got 13 new members tonight, man. You love to see it. You love to see it. Tonight's show sponsored by Manscaped. Oh, yeah. Manscaped.com. Code SCRIPT20 at checkout. 20% off and... Free shipping. Guys, when it comes to feeling confident, especially when you're out there trying to find the one or you're trying to look and feel your best, you may hit the gym, try out a fresh hairstyle, maybe give your wardrobe a much-needed update. But what happens when you're ready to seal the deal, man? How confident are you when it comes to your little world champions down there? Are you working AEW Dark, or are you main eventing Clash of the Castle? Nobody wants to be on Dark. I'll tell you that right now. I don't even think Jesse wants you on Dark. But it's 2022, and that means if you're already not managing your body hair on the regular, you're missing the boat, man, especially with the summer coming to an end. That's why I got Manscaped and the Performance Package 4.0. In the performance package, you got the lawnmower 4.0, ceramic blade, and it's waterproof. It's cordless. Skin safe technology. It's going to help reduce those nicks and cuts in the most sensitive areas of your body. Then you got the weed whacker 4.0 to get into all those little pesky spots that you really can't get to on a normal basis. The crop preserver. It's bold deodorant. Crop reviver. 
ball toner. You're going to get a t-shirt. You're going to get a travel shed bag. And, and you're going to get the box of briefs. All you got to do is go to manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout. 20% off. Free international shipping. Once again, that's manscaped.com. Code script 20 at checkout. And I want to thank them for once again supporting me on Off the Scripts. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Right at the top, we got Captain Solo. Captain Solo with a $20 Super Chat. He says, love putting you on the spot with these what-ifs. So here's another. If you could banish one to another dimension, date one or marry one, which one would it be? Your choices are Charlotte Flair, Tamina Snuka, and Lacey Evans. Now, are we talking about looks-wise only? Or are we talking about how I feel about them professionally? Because if it's looks-wise, I'm marrying Lacey Evans, I'm dating Charlotte, and I'm banishing Tamina. Now, if it's professionally, this is strictly professionally now. I'm probably banishing Tamina. I'm marrying Charlotte and dating Lacey Evans. Even though Charlotte is fucking terrible. I mean, I can't take I can't take it away from her that she's a great professional wrestler. Hopefully that answered your question, Captain Saul. That was a good one. JC720 with a five-dollar super chat. No message for JC. JC, why are you being shy in the venue? Ronald Sims with a four-month membership. Thank you, Ronald Sims, for the recommitment to the VIP club. Been a while, three months, but glad to experience it with OTS. Shout out to you, man. Ronald Sims. Thank you, brother. Travis Drum. Kings Wrestling Talk. And Lunar Guardian. All become new members of the VIP club. Thank you very much. All three of you. What are you drinking tonight? Rathuel with a $2 super chat. You're a good man, JD. Thanks for all the podcasts. Rathuel, thank you for the kind words, brother. Saints, $4.99. A blunt and off the script. What a perfect Sunday evening. Saints, I appreciate you, brother. I don't smoke, but... Enjoy your evening, man. Jim Cornette with a 199 Super Chat. Mox making out with Effie is mud show BS. Yeah. Uh, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm pretty fucking pissed at that. GCW is absolute fucking garbage. In every sense of the word. Daniel Easter Day with a 24th month membership. Daniel! You got that golden microphone, brother. I can see why Bray would be hurt by his release. Unbelievable Triple H will show him respect. Hopefully he comes back like we think. He'll be back. He'll be back. Isolated Drummer becomes a new member. Vanja 
becomes a new member. Thank you guys very much. And Vonja with a 499 UK. Been with you since Survivor Series 2014. Just started watching wrestling after three years because of Triple H. Got a cold Bex and a blunt. 2.20 a.m. Brother, thank you so much, Vonja. If you fell asleep during the show, bro, it'll be in the subscription box, man. The Mad Dreamer with the Canadian $5. Hey, JD, with all the returns, it might be a long shot. But how about the return of the Velveteen Dream? Give up the great work. Velveteen Dream is never going to be in the WWE ever again. He was one of my favorites, and he ruined it all. Jay Coyle with a five in UK. Unbearable heat right now in the UK. Can't sleep. So I thought I'd take a seat in the beer garden. I'll have a Moxley's Bulldog Blueberry Ale. Jay Coyle, thank you so much, brother. Uh, why is it so hot there, bro? You don't have air conditioning. What's with the air conditioning in the UK, man? They're shutting everybody's power off. Nate Knight. With a $2 super chat. Shout out to the ace of New York. Love you, bro. Ace. I love that, man. I'm the ace of New York. Nate, I appreciate you, brother. Chris with a 999 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Yesterday was my 30th birthday. Happy belated, man. Just want to say thank you for the great podcast and the IWC give of the great work. Cheers to you, my brother. Thank you, Chris, and happy birthday, man. Uncle Willie 101 becomes a new member. Uncle Willie, what are you drinking, brother? Dennis H. with a 30 in Canadian. Thank you, J.D. Spitting the truth as usual. I hope so, man. Jesse just called me a sellout. Jesse just called me a sellout for my uh, top dollar hit row comments. I don't think I said anything out of the norm. Jesse, watch your mouth, bro, before I fucking spit in your tacos, bro. Yes, top dollar is still a fucking... He's, he's, still, he's still somebody that I, I'm not a big fan of. I can only give him advice from what I see and through my set of eyes. Man, I'm happy that they're back. I never wanted them to be fired. I just knew they were going to be fired and what the direction of the group would be under Vince McMahon. I can now honestly say it's going to be different under Triple H, which is a great thing. Whether or not he, he really owns up to it and gets better, I'm not going to sit here and fucking tell you top dollars, oh my God, he's a changed man. If he sucks, I'm going to call him out on it. Dennis H., thank you, brother. Clove 22 with a $2 super chat. Thank you, Clove. Billy Badass with a $2 super chat. Preach, my man. For fuck's sake, I'm so glad that dude is gone, bro. Can we just cheers to Vince McMahon? Gone. I wasn't going to say it publicly, but yeah, sorry, bro. Listen, bro. Whatever, man. Me a sellout? No. No. I'll be the first one to tell you top dollar fucked up, bro. Breadman and Chadillac Benz with a new membership. New VIPs. Thank you, gentlemen. What are you drinking? 
Soundwave, 80s. I feel like I need to read this in... Uh... Triple H should bring back Ryan Ward to help with creative. Megatron, the Autobots, Optimus Prime, Bumblebee. Charlotte Flair is Whatever. Full on exposure. $2 Super Chat. Can IRS be any more clear about a Wyatt return? Bro, he said that last April. He said that last April, bro. Elite Gaming, 0599, new membership. Thank you, Elite Gaming. What are you drinking tonight, brother? Sidro with a 420 Super Chat. You see Pete Dunn's tweet? BNG, Pete back soon. What did he say? What did he say, bro? He tweeted out a picture of black and gold. Pete Dunn kicking somebody in the head. I don't know who that is. We may be getting the bruiser weight back, bro. No more of this fucking scrappy do bullshit. Ryland Williams becomes a new member and a $2 super chat. Shit row. Listen, bro, I'll be the first to tell you when they're shit row again. Right now, I just want Triple H to bolster the roster, man. J-Ron Suttles with a $5 super chat. New member here. Keep up the good work, brother. The best in the IWC. Cheers to you, bro. Nate Knight with a $2 super chat. Cody Rhodes versus MJF at WrestleMania someday. Watch. I wouldn't be surprised, bro. I would not be surprised at all, man. Sid Roy with a 420 Super Chat. Imagine Cody as first entrance in the Royal Rumble 2023 and wins it. I think Cody needs to come out at number 30, man. Him and Seth Rollins need to be the final two guys in the Rumble. Nate Knight with a $2 Super Chat. HBK lost his smile again. Yeah, he also lost his fucking brain as well. Shantae's Stylish Treasures becomes a new member. Shantae's Stylish Treasures. Thank you so much. What are you drinking tonight? We got everything. What do you want? Sidro with a $5 Super Chat. Hope to make you laugh. Why won't Vince McMahon hear the what chant in the afterlife? No chance in hell. Sidro. You're crazy, bro. CRJ209 with an 11-month membership. Can I get a Kevin Dunn? <laughs> uh, what? Love this podcast in the OTS family. CRJ, thank you, brother. 
Also, what a 999 super chat. Also, JD, stop by to say thank you for everything you do. You got me through some dark times in my late 20s. 31 now. Hope to buy you a beer one day. Keep up the good work. OTS for life. Thank you, CRJ. I'll be here always, man. Those comments are the best, man. I'm glad I could help you through whatever you guys are going through. And you you as well, CRJ. Dumpy with a $20 super chat. I've been watching for a few weeks. Loving the streams. Your channel where I wrap up my nights after all these shows. Keep it up. I appreciate you, man. Better you to be here than fight. Or, uh, or fucking Cronin or, or any of these other fucking geeks. Michael Bertoni with a new membership. And a $5 super chat. Thank you, Michael Bertoni. If WWE ununifies the world titles, do you think Triple H should scrap the universal title and bring back big gold? No. I do not think big gold should be back in the company. CJ Voorhees with a $5 super chat. Imperium versus the Bloodline would be sick. Just need Eichner on SmackDown. You know, Eichner's doing his thing, man, in NXT. Uh, Giovanni Vinci's a, a great wrestler. He really is. No matter what his name is, man, he's just a great wrestler. DGK Dog with a one eye on Super Chat. How can I join Discord as a channel member? I'll leave you guys a link in the membership section on the YouTube community boards. Eugene Morgan with a $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Your dedication to being on five nights out of the week is appreciated. Listen, bro, it's tough. I didn't want to. I didn't want to go live tonight. I didn't. I was fucking tired. These these streams take a lot out of me, man. Hopefully, you guys appreciate them. Jake Coyle with a two dollars super chat. Most people don't have AC here. Crazy, I know. That's, that's fucking ridiculous, bro. I don't understand that. Necessity DNA testing with a one dollars super chat. No message. Furious Nation with a $20 super chat. What's up, JD? What drink do you recommend in the garden tonight? I'm so happy that Vince is gone. Walt was probably smiling ear to ear. Would you reunite Beer Money in WWE or would you bring back Glorious Bobby Roode? Bro, I'm not reuniting Beer Money. Uh, James Storm looked completely out of shape at the uh, Ric Flair pay-per-view. He was in that battle royal. Bobby Roode is still in great shape. Bobby Roode as a heel... Still has a lot of legs to it. It never really got a chance to thrive on the main roster, and I do think that he should be back. Yes. That's another guy that I would bring back. Seriously. He's so good. Canadian $5 Super Chat from Patty. Hey, JD, do you think Triple H will book Cody to be champ? Yes, I do. It's the only way to be, bro. Furious Nation with a $10 super chat. In your opinion, if Bray Wyatt comes back, do you think Bo Dallas follows? Also, NXT Heat Wave this Tuesday is the same day as my 26th birthday. Happy early birthday, brother. And uh, Bo Dallas, I don't know if Bo Dallas wants to wrestle. And if Bo Dallas can fit into the Bray plans, I would be happy to see him back. And Dan from the 1990s. Kevin Dunn is the biggest goof on planet Earth. With a $2 super chat. Kevin Dunn has big fucking teeth, Dan. He is a complete fucking imbecile. 
Dumpy with a $5 super chat. Do you think custom stages should return? And do you see Triple H overhauling SmackDown and Raw branding within the next year? I think, I, listen, I think SmackDown needs new theme music. I do think that Raw needs new theme music for sure. I do think that the brand should look different from one another, yes. Custom stages, it's going to cost, it's going to cost money. Triple H, his job is to create creative and make better television. You want to save on uh, certain aspects of the company by saving some money somewhere? I don't really mind if custom stages come back. I really don't. Colleen Schmitz with a $5 Super Jab. McIntyre was pulled from this weekend's house shows due to back issues. Might not win at Clash and be written off TV by Cross. Beatdown Theory cash in. I can see it. This is why I'm still keeping my prediction. I think Austin Theory wins the undisputed championship at the end of Clash at the Castle. I'm going with Theory cashing in. Guys, we're about to get out of here, man. Ah, listen, what a show. Thank you guys for being a part of my show tonight. Awesome. At 2,700, we got 1,500 likes, man. We got still 2,000 people in here. Can we get to 1,600 likes? I need 30 more likes. If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, man, 1,600 likes. Thank you for the new members, man. We got 13 new members tonight. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Check out my sponsor for tonight's show, Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Code script20 at checkout. 20% off in free shipping. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Also, follow me on social media. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And I'm on Cameo. Fiorius with a $10 super chat. Triple H in charge for a few weeks now. And the shows have been so much better. Other people, though, have told me that it doesn't matter who's in charge. It absolutely does matter who's in charge. Vince is not there. It can only be better. Thank you, bro. Guys, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, which is all of you guys, because it's VIP only. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need that music on max. Brand new week tomorrow night in the beer garden. Monday Night Raw, live tomorrow night. On Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.